You are listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. How are you? Um, I know that uh, over the past, what are we, day nine? I know over the past eight days, I usually start this episode, I start this show uh, complaining about uh, the lack of sleep that we've had, the amount of booze that we've ingested, and the amount of folks that we've hung out with. Um, But uh, I feel like... uh, before, I was just whining about it. Today, uh, we have a uh, very good reason to be slow. And uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Ooh, that was a tough one. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but before I do, look, finally, I would like to say this. Obviously, we've been talking about Puget Systems. And what I love about talking about Puget Systems on the show is that when I hang out with folks that have been on the show or people that listen to the show, they're always joking with me like, are you going to try to sell me a Puget system? And that means you're listening. That means it's working. So uh, if it wasn't for the help of Puget Systems, we wouldn't have this show right now. We wouldn't be here in the house right now. And honestly, I could honestly say, and I did a post about this, I wouldn't have the nomination for best editing for Come Home without a Puget System. Because the, the computer could keep up with me. And when you see uh, Come Home, and I think I'll probably post a screenshot like all you guys like to see on Instagram of like how ridiculous my timeline was for this movie. Um, it is cut like crazy. It's a, a, a fever dream of sorts. And I couldn't have done this with all this mixed media and all the stuff that I used without my Puget Systems computer. Now, I don't believe in joining cults. I don't believe in falling uh, victim to marketing. Um, and I know a lot of folks, and I've met some folks here that are like, you know, I've got this new iMac or whatever the fuck they call it now, trash can or whatever it's called now. It's pretty amazing. And I go, yeah, it's custom built for you, right? And they go, no. <laughs> it's one of three choices on their website. And I go, huh, that's cool. And then uh, so the parts, you can exchange the parts like three months from now, four months from now when there's a new update, right? No, why not? Because they're fucking literally welded to the board, the motherboard. Oh, so that's the motherboard. So when it's unuseful to you, you have to throw this thing out, right? Well, no, it won't be unuseful. Okay, all right. You just you're in denial. Hey, we're handing out cups of uh, of Kool Aid too later on today, so maybe we can all drink those together. That'd be fun. Uh, Look at me (laughs) going way off the rails. Uh, So I love Puget Systems. I like it because it's the antithesis of that story I just told you. Uh, It's upgradable. Uh, You can build the computer based upon the software you're going to use. So go to PugetSystems.com. Maybe you're going to build a Premiere system or an edit system. You know what? Reach out to them and ask for my specs. I got my system about a year and change ago, and it still crushes, and they'll probably give you a better system for less money. So go to PugetSystems.com and check it all out. All right, so let's let's start the show here. And I think, um, um, hold on a second here. I just want to see what tracks I haven't played this week. No, I don't want to play any of those. Uh, oh, you know what? I'm going to start with some some weird shit this morning. How about this? So let's do... Uh, yes, yes. The sun is on my board here. Here we go. Do you like our owl? It's artificial. Of course it is. 
Must be expensive. Very. Nice soft way in today to just sort of ease in. That was a great transition. It's nice, right? Yeah, Angelus into that. That was nice. Yeah, a little Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we needed to come in nice and smooth this morning because uh, we uh, were. Uh, I think we had the most epic night yet so far. Yeah, yeah. Last night was amazing. Yeah, what did we do last night? We had uh, hosted a little shindig at the. The uh, Airbnb Palace mm-hmm. had a bunch of filmmakers come by, cooked a ton of food, pasta, sausage, burgers, dogs, hot dogs. Just because yeah. there's no, conf- no confusion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking tired. <laughs> we cooked dogs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I had a bunch of drinks with everybody and then did another little uh, impromptu podcast. Yeah, we did a stayed we, up playing card games. Yeah, we did like a, 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 a drinking podcast or kind of like a. Uh, yeah. in the middle of drinking podcast which i don't know that might be a special edition podcast that might be something special mm-hmm. for 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 listeners of the show mm-hmm. i don't know if i'm gonna put that out publicly unless yeah you guys are in on it so uh, stand by it's actually really great it's, i would say it's the uh the most positive like like heartfelt sure. podcast that we've had for sure in quite some time so it was really fun man we had 
Uh, some of the uh, guests from the show by last night. We had some new friends come by last night. We met a lot of new uh, filmmakers. And the one thing that uh, we've been trying to do, Lance and I have been trying to do this uh, past week and change. And one thing that we've been trying to do with this podcast being here is just really open it up uh, and really start this sort of this family thing. Yeah. Which it, it's great. I heard last night that uh, there was rumblings throughout the festival about our party and like how cool it was and and all mm-hmm. that stuff and and uh i think that uh it's it just it's been a great experience overall i really mm-hmm. do feel that way um and i hope you guys have enjoyed it uh because this is technically this will be our last podcast here at film quest um and uh we tonight it's finally here we've been waiting since the 26th mm-hmm. tonight we screen tonight we screen five o'clock we will be there um, and uh, very excited about it. And the, it's, the the festival is at capacity, if not further than capacity right now. It's kind of ridiculous how many people are here. So I'm very honored to... I keep uh, hearing about lines going down the block. Yeah. I'm like, oof. Yeah, it's going to be tough for it's us today. It's fucking packed. Yeah, it's going to get hot in there. Yeah. It's going to get very hot I'm gonna, in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need shots first, I think, because <laughs> that fucking... That room, that's a little room for 200 people. Yeah. Ugh. You excited to see your your ugly mug up on the screen in front of everybody? I am. I am. I like that. That fucking them wide shots, man. Yeah. I'm like a little fucking action here. I'm like, is that my face? Yeah. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, man, it was a lot of fun last night. We ended up hanging out with friends, and uh, if I don't drop that episode publicly, uh, uh, Nick Apostoliti showed up yesterday. Gene Raven showed up yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Travis, our fucking great buddy, the guy who saved my ass on uh, uh come home and uh, and stepped in as my camera operator he was here um uh who else is here right now Gina josh popped in for a bit josh yeah yeah josh went on an adventure last night yeah that's all we need to say about that i think josh is in london right now i think he's i think he's in london yeah like physically something about london france and underpants right is that yeah. how that goes well he's checking all that out. <laughs> so josh is busy uh, he's doing his thing. Um, and uh, we also had our guest who's here today. He joined us last night. And I think it was kind of cruel of us to do so because we put him in the same shape that we're in right now. Yes, <laughs> this is true. Uh, yeah, we are joined this morning by this guy. So I met this dude. I think the first time I met you was at one of the clubs in Los Angeles. <laughs> And uh, it was Will and I, and I think Will ordered table service, and we ended up meeting you at this spot. Was it, it the pool party? I think it was probably the, oh. the pool party that I, I was fucking disgusting at. I, I heard you ended up with Taco Bell on your shirt. <laughs> 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 That's all I really know. Yeah, yeah. We went to, it was a 4th of July pool party, and we went there, and uh, Will was like, you got to meet my man, Chase Manhattan. That's me. And he's here, man. He's it's here not. today. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. I it, can't believe uh, the last one. The last. Uh, you're guest. the last man, dude. Wow. You're mm-hmm. the last man. Wow. I'm booked. You should be. I am. You saved the best for last, That's brother. That's freaking wild. Yeah, dude. And oh, you've had some great guests. I've been listening all week. Really? Yeah, man. I've been listening oh, all man. week. From uh, Sam Fox and Desiree Staples to Doug Jones and everything in between. Dude, you have been listening. Yeah. Doing his homework. Yeah. You're doing his homework, brother. Yeah. So yeah, when I met, uh, when I when Will to- first told me about you, he's like, "You got to meet my my buddy Chase Manhattan." I go, "That's not a real person." Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a name. 
<laughs> every time they've mentioned you, I'm like, that's what the fuck you guys is this like a joke? Is it like a running joke? I'm not getting or something? Like what is this Chase Manhattan thing that's happening? Yeah, it's because you guys are from Boston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean I get it. It like when you're from the Northeast, it's kinda I, I've, I'm from New York City, and I would have never gone by Chase Manhattan in New York mm. City because that would have just been ridiculous. People, even my old New York friends, are like, "It's a little performative." <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, "Yeah, but I live in Hollywood. Yeah, and in Hollywood, it's perfect." Yeah, I yeah. Love, dude, I love it. I absolutely love it, man. It's the coolest name ever. Yeah. Like if I put that in a, if I put that in a script, people would be like, "Okay, yeah, who's this guy?" You're like Bruce Wayne for Hollywood. Yeah, man, I love it, dude. I, uh, I, I, you know, first it was just my Instagram handle, and then I, I throw these parties in in LA, as you alluded to, Mike, and yeah, and I'm on stage a lot. I'm performing music, and you know that that name really just started to stick with like the stage stuff and like the stage persona I had. Mm -hmm. But then when the brand sort of builds bigger than, you know, you have to embrace it. And so I've just kind of just used it across the board now. And, and I've got my production company, even that's chase Manhattan project, Dude, which is great. another play on words because you've got the Manhattan project, right. which yeah. is obviously on a lot of people's minds in the zeitgeist because of Oppenheimer. Yeah. Right. And fun fact on that, I come from, I'm not, uh, full disclosure, 100% from Manhattan. My family's lived in Manhattan for six generations, and I lived in Manhattan for 10 years myself. My whole life was in Manhattan, mm -hmm. for the most mm -hmm. part. But I did go to grade school, and uh, my, I kept all my clothes as a kid, I should like to say, in Jersey, right on the other side of the bridge. In a little town called Leonia, where half the scientists from the Manhattan Project actually lived when they oh, were developing the bomb, cool, which cool. is kind of a fun fact. Yeah, man. About the town. <laughs> <laughs> Chase, pull your microphone closer to you. Okay. I want. I want to get. I want to get in. I'm you. Trying you to get, be cool get, and casual. Here. There you go. No, no, no. Just pull it. Okay. That, that way you can still play cool. Yeah. The, there, there you go. go. All right. Great. You got that voice. Um, so I got a voice. <laughs> <laughs> Stop talking to me in circles. <laughs> uh, so what? Um, let's start from the beginning here, brother. So, well, did you have fun at that Fourth of July party? Is that the beginning? Oh, you want to go there? I don't know. Did you have a good time? Yeah, I had a great time. Here's 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 what went wrong with that Fourth of July party. What went wrong? We showed up in the afternoons. We showed up very early. Didn't eat anything, right? Oof. Because uh, Will was like, there's going to be a ton of food. They had like a taco truck or something right. that was there. So we didn't eat anything. He ended up, and this is so, this sounds so fucking pretentious. He ended up getting table service. He did. He, he got a table and a bottle of tequila, and I was super stoked for him and you guys. It oh looked like a great time. I was running around in circles. Oh, but. my God, dude. And what we didn't realize is that... Whatever came in the sort of pre-mixed thing also had tequila in it, so that they were oh, they thought the it was just a mixer. Oh, so you were pouring so down the Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. And then we ended. That was you were there. We ended up in the swimming pool. That god. was the swimming. oh, that was the same. Oh fuck yeah! I remember yeah. that? Oh, you were there yeah. too, Lance. Yeah, Lance was there. That pool well, party was a fucking blast. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. But um, so yeah, why'd you come to Los Angeles? To Los Angeles, well, that is uh, that's been t that was twelve years ago, mm -hmm. and honestly, they had to really twist my arm and drag me out to get me to Los Angeles. Well, who dragged you out? What happened? I was 
passenger on this crazy train called Basketball Wives, which was a VH1 TV show. Uh-huh. I was a produ- the talent producer on that. That's right. Okay. And I was in New York. They picked me up on that train in New York. I did a... I shot it in New York. The show, the show was falling off the rails. It was some of the most difficult people on television to deal with. And I mean that in a very endearing way. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, they, they are my girls. Um, but they were not uh, fulfilling the obligations to their contract, shall we say. I mean, if you got a drink <laughs> show thrown in your face and slapped on TV, you're not exactly inclined to come to work again the next day. You're yeah. like, fuck this shit. <laughs> right. I'm not right. fucking with you guys anymore. Go fuck yourselves. I hope I can curse on Yo, this dude, because I've just done it three times yeah, in one breath. <laughs> I thought you listened to the show. I know, but yeah. I don't take no, those close of notes. But um, I guess nobody has that dirty of a mouth. But anyways, <laughs> the executive producer... Who's this big guy? Comes from a military family, and it's like mm. somebody that I had, I had worked with previously, and was like rather intimidated by. Like if he said jump, I said how high. Like yeah, yeah. he was like a he was he big boss energy, and um, I had worked with him on a show for P Diddy, which was called I Want to Work for Diddy on VH1. Really, and it was like Diddy's Apprentice, and mm. uh, oh, I think I remember. I this. don't want to get too. Off, and I won't get off track, but there's plenty of stories in that too. But nevertheless, he was going through his Rolodex trying to find somebody that could get these women in, in check. <laughs> and he hit me up and he was like, I think you're the only person I know. And I was like, me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what does that mean? I said, all right. <laughs> so I basically put on my pimp hat and <laughs> said, all right, ladies. And yeah, well, so they, and I got the show on track. It was about to be can- like pulled. The network was about to scratch the whole thing. And it's still on air 13 years later. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. So I did it in New York, Miami, and they had to, they twisted my arm to do it in LA. And I agreed after much turning down like three offers, I agreed to their fourth offer. And, uh, I said two, three months, and then I'm going back to New York. That's it. And were you okay? So were you? Sure enough, I'm in LA. Twelve years later. So, Shit. so why why were you so anti LA? I had gone once, and I didn't love it. And I was in a deep romantic relationship with New York City. It was more about that. I was very much happy with my life in New York. Yeah, I had a great little apartment in the West Village. I was living a real. It was everything I had dreamed of growing up, you know, in a way. Like, I never had dreams of going to Hollywood. I was always in New York. I went to college in New York. When I had the opportunity to go anywhere, I always was really happy in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wanted my life to be like a Woody Allen movie, you Mm -hmm, know. mm -hmm. And uh, it was, and I was, you know, I was living it. Mm -hmm. And so it was hard to walk away, to, to walk away from. But I'm really glad I did. Yeah. You know, because... That was the last reality show I ever worked on, but, and 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 it was never. That was certainly never a dream. <laughs> I never wanted to do that. But yeah. when I got out of the news business, I it was two thousand eight. The recession was in the thro- we were in the throes of the recession, and they weren't making anything on TV, any scripted content, because nobody had any money. Yeah, and so if you wanted work, and uh, if and you were lucky if you got unscripted work because it 
it was it was there was a lot of it. It was pretty much carrying television. It carried television. It yeah. it was a revolution in television. Yep. And I was happy. I was lucky I, in a in a way to 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 get work in that in that world. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot from it. You know, it was running gun. You want to talk about running gun, dude? I've done some reality stuff. It's Ooh. intense, especially on a camera level where you're shooting and you're just like, yeah, that sh- that camera's on your shoulder all day and that camera's rolling all day. Yeah, man. And back then, two cameras were heavier and the battery bricks were heavier and it yep. was fucking intense. And it's you, you're like, you got to know what what you're covering stuff live. You don't know, you know, you. Yep. The best cameraman I ever worked with was a dude named Ninja. Ninja? His, he, his name was Ninja. You want to talk about good names? <laughs> yeah, that's a good names. name. Yeah. He was a good dude. He is a good dude. Uh, and we actually did some creative films together, some stuff as well. But he he just was nimble as hell with that camera. And, you, you know, he always knew what was going to happen before it happened. You know, one eye, it's like Marty Feldman, what's his name, the comedian from uh, Young Frankenstein, who's got two eyes that are looking uh, two yeah, different directions. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what you got to be as a cameraman. In, 100%, uh, <laughs> 100%, 100%. You've always got that second eye open and you're yeah, looking to yeah, see exactly, what's coming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah man. I, I helped him, uh, I hooked him up with um, NBC's president of Olympics coverage and uh, he just covered the olympics in tokyo mr ninja was it in tokyo right uh this year i think so right? tokyo i think yeah. or somewhere in japan yeah and he covered surfing and gymnastics and i think skateboarding which was also like a first year competition yeah if i'm not mistaken it's crazy man yeah it's crazy help, help connecting that dot for him it, it was something he really wanted to do is one of the greatest accomplishments i consider in my career because it was i was able to help somebody else achieve their dreams and that's some, for some reason a big not for some reason that's to me the most gratifying mm, when i could cool. help bring somebody else's vision and dreams to life that's cool man that's yeah. really cool so then all right so then you come out here right Provo or LA? Not Provo, LA. Okay, because yeah, I am out here in Provo. Yeah, yeah well, okay, stick yeah. with me. Bro. Okay, I'm sticking. <laughs> so you you come out you come you come out to Los Angeles. You work on that show, right? Yeah. And then so you all right. You've done you've done all sorts of shit, man. <laughs> yeah. So like so you acting? Yeah. Right. Acting. You you're performing like singing? Yeah. Right. I have a music thing going. Right. And then you're uh, a people connector, which people connecting, which is pretty insane. And yes. then what am I missing here? Well, I've got uh, I've got the nightlife aspect of my uh, production, like you know, par- throwing parties and opening up nightclubs and restaurants. I know yeah. you're. A f- yeah, I'm now a fan. into cooking, so yeah, I'm a fan. So that's another hustle. I've got a. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's hard to rattle them off. But yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm always like, I never like next week. I get back and I'm going to Vegas. I'm going to go pop back in LA and then I go to Vegas for the Formula One Grand Prix. Oh, cool! I'm producing. Heineken is the main sponsor. Heineken. We're we're along with Heineken. We're popping up a nightclub in the middle of the racetrack, three-story nightclub, three-level nightclub. Oh shit! With DJs on the top and bottom floors, and uh, for three days of like the qualify, you know, the practice, the qualifiers, and the race. So you'll be able to watch the race from the nightclub with the DJs, and it'll be like, it'll be like cruising USA on crack. Like it's yeah. gonna be so awesome. The the racetrack is actually on in this on the strip in Los Angeles and there's gonna be 
a lot of people consent uh, coming in. In Las Vegas. Vegas. This is all yeah, going to be in Vegas. Vegas. Yeah, that's, so I'm that's producing the DJ cool. sets there and then the after parties as well. That's fucking oh, All right. So yeah. I want to get into... Let, fuck it. Let's just jump right into that because I'm fascinated with this, man. Because you seem to be the dude that's connecting everything mm-hmm. as far as the nightlife stuff is concerned. How, how did you become this guy? Like you, So you, you, you didn't grow up here. You sort of transplanted out here. So how did you become the dude that knows people? It's a good question. You know, my nickname on my Little League baseball team was the mayor. That's what the coach, my coach used to call me. Oh. I knew every ref, and I would like, you know, char, like, you know, rub elbows with the, F, the ref. I knew every player, and I knew how yeah. to fuck with them if I had to because I was the catcher. Mm. And, it, and, and I don't know. I'm just sort of like I'm always talking to people. I like talking to people. I think there's something to learn in, from everyone. And so I, I seriously engage with people and, and even, you know, some people who know, some people get, get overlooked oftentimes. And, um, and that's like super important. That's the whole, that's, that's, that's the trick, right? Yeah. And then having had worked in so many different fields over the years and so many different, I've had like thousands of, jobs you know thousands of gigs from production to hospitality you know you if you're you combine those two things and even like i had like a modeling career when i was younger so just all these different little worlds because and everybody in these these little worlds are pretty small as it turns out right like, yeah you know you're here in this film quest world in the genre world and it's small. Everybody it's knows each other. Yeah, and they travel with each other. And they travel with each other. And so yeah. you get in these, in these worlds and you really engage with people and, you know, in an authentic way and not just trying to like hustle network, like uh, yeah. trying to like, it's not stats or anything like that. But if yeah. you, you know, organically let things just happen and you end up and you, and you just pop into all these different worlds, you end up knowing a whole lot of people yeah man you know yeah man and i'm really good with faces i don't i don't play that la game where i don't you know if i don't Mm. remember you i'm gonna tell you like sorry i don't remember you but but i don't that doesn't happen often like i could walk down a street in new york city or wherever I'm, I say New York City because nobody walks down. There's not many people across the street, the street with me in LA. Yeah. Yeah, they are. You're like, uh-oh. Who is this person? Oh, why are they following? Yeah. <laughs> you must be a crazy person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, look away, look away. No, but in New York, you know, I could I could spot somebody, and by the time I get to the corner, just by glancing at him, I could be like, oh, I, I served that guy a scotch in a bar 50, like 20 years ago. Jesus, dude. York, you know? What do you got? Yeah. Like, like uh, it's a, what do they call it? The photo uh photographic memory photographic memory there you go yeah i don't know if i know if i have that but maybe you, you just give a shit That's, i guess yeah i guess so yeah. all right so then so, so then, but then yeah like new york i mean in la i i got i started to i became really good friends with my partner in la who we opened the desert five spot together and we do a lot of parties together his name's wade crescent he's my my man and he's somebody that's like a old british oh, he was like a model back in the day and he's been throwing parties forever and his network is just as stacked as mine. And so, and I have a couple friends like that, like my buddy Jay West. If I, if they don't know him, I do. And if I don't, they do. And so 
spending time with people like that has really expanded my network as well. So that's your value, right? That's why you get hired for these things is because you have such a network of, of contacts. You know, you? I think that's part of it, but I don't think that that's, I, I do consider my network one of my greatest assets, but it's not, I don't think it's the primary. Okay. Yeah. What do you think the primary is? Oh man, I don't know. <laughs> Cause you're so cool. <laughs> I don't know. No, yeah. no I, I think it's, a commitment to making awesome things happen. Yeah. You man. know, and that's yeah. why I, I, I find myself here in Provo producing with a film that I produced. Yeah. Because, you know, somebody came to me with the script, uh, my homegirl, Emily James, and she had this crazy story that she experienced in her own life um, where she was, uh, there was a kidnapping attempt on her. In Atlanta, Nuts. 10 o'clock in the morning. Did you hear this story? Keep telling me, yeah. Okay. All right. She was walking on the Beltline in Atlanta uh, because she was there on my recommendation, in Atlanta at least, because it was a good place to get TV credits because they're filming mm. a lot in Atlanta, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's a smaller market. And for somebody like her, who was an outstanding theater actress and hadn't done a lot in TV or film... It was a good place for her to get a couple credits, which was why I also went there at, at a certain point, a handful of years back, and did a couple guest star roles on a show and helped move my career past a level that I couldn't quite crack in L.A. Yeah. Anyways, so she went down there, and one morning walking on the Beltline, which some areas are really nice and some areas are not, she was alone on her FaceTiming with her friend, and she got jumped by like a big dude with a gun. Wow. And she's five foot tall, 100 pounds wet, like a tiny little thing. Tackled to the ground, wrestled, mind games, Holy manipulation, shit. aggression, abuse, you name it. And this wonder, this courage, the courage in this, in this girl, Emily, was so immense that she found a way to break free. Mm. Uh, from this guy's grasp mm. jumped over like a railing tumbled down a hill into a neighborhood door to door screaming help running for her life and so she she told me about this experience horrifying and I said well you know what you gotta do you gotta write about it Yeah. and mm -hmm. she's like I'm already working on it and so I said let me know when you've got something to read and I, she sent it to me not that long after and I read it right away and I was really moved by it. It was so powerful. And what she ended up writing was bottling up that strength, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that courage, that power that she found in that moment that it turned out to be a really empowering thing, right? Mm. That she took that and, and wanted to write a piece that empowered girls that had maybe not been able to escape yeah. that experience. Because yeah. Yeah. human trafficking, sex trafficking in particular, in, in the... Southeast is, it's real. Yeah, in Atlanta, it's, it's, it's a real problem. It's like, fucking real. The hotels will have like the signs on the bathrooms that like, yes, this is a very real thing. If you see anything, here's the number you can call. Let the front desk know. Even like just seeing that, you go, fuck, man. And like the just public bathrooms, right. like they have to commonplace, put it up and make sure people are aware. That right. And it's it doesn't get covered on the news. No, no I didn't know about I didn't know it, anything it's about It's fucking real, man. 
and it yeah. doesn't get talked about at all. It's like swept under the rug, you know. It's yeah. one of those things that like out of sight, out of mind. So then, so then, girls just get kidnapped and then they get put forced into, into rings. Sometimes it's girls that are runaways. You know, it's vulnerable yeah, they find girls. The, they find the weak. They one. really know how to find the you know the weak, yeah. the ones that that might not have anybody chasing after them. Yeah, or, you know, they could manipulate them and force them into. Dude, even the I worked at the La Quinta Hotel down there in Alpharetta. Oh, and, really? um, yeah, and because uh, I went down there, same thing. Go try oh, to go get TV right credits. And uh, there was this one one guy comes in, two girls. They're like come down. And one girl seemed like kind of sweeter than the other one. The other one looked like you know she's a little more experienced. And you kind of right away are like either he's here, you know, and he's yeah. got a deal going with them, or he's running the show. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and the one girl during breakfast ends up making like a big scene, gets into an argument with some of the staff, uh, and just draws a lot of attention to them. And we started to kind of notice like some weird behavior with it. And then when you're like, I'm upstairs, I'm like I got to clean all the hallways and I'm hearing like banging and clanging and going on in the room and screaming and this and that. So like, oh, we need to find out what the fuck is going on. Mm. <clears throat> the one girl um, ends up like uh, just getting away from them a little bit. And we had like these little Marta pass cards so you can like hop on the train. Uh, and we were able to like isolate the one girl who seemed sweeter and talk to her. And it was very clear at that point when she was by herself that this was not of her own doing jesus and you're like holy shit man so we had to like coordinate it like where the cops showed up uh and they're talking to those two and i went upstairs to where the room where the girl was at she comes out i was like we're just gonna walk out the side and go down the back we get down out into the grassy area like the little next to the parking lot give her my marta card i was like the train's that way you know like just just do whatever you gotta do man and like even just like seeing that and like you could tell for her it was like it it didn't seem like it had been a long thing. Like she, she was, was just kind of getting into the situation, mm-hmm. but you could see in her face that like this is not what she expected it to be mm-hmm. at all. Like, wow. and you just think, holy shit, man! And it, it, even like the, the show Mindhunter, that second season mm-hmm. is in Atlanta, and they focus on how much kids are going missing, and that is it's a true. very real thing. That's true. That's a great fucking show. insane, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's real. So, so the. I don't know. Spoiler alert! I guess it's like a, it's only a fifteen-minute movie, right? Film, mm. short film. So the spoiler is basically the whole film. But nevertheless, <laughs> um, the she it's about she, the her character gets abducted, thrown into these homes. This uh, this home that is a sex trafficking ring, and there's girls being like imprisoned in the basement and. It turns out to be a ploy to break out the girls from the house. That's cool. That's and cool. so the the rest of the movie is this high octane thriller that's like super fight heavy and like all the girls are Very kicking cool. the shit out of the guys and you know, breaking free of this thing yeah. and flipping flipping this super abusive you know, relationship but in the other direction. Hell yeah. Yeah. And so you jumped on this thing. It sounds like a fucking cool movie. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. Yeah, it's cool. So you jumped on this thing as producer. What were you doing for it? Yeah, so she brought me the script and then we put the whole thing together from the, from the ground up. Uh, Emily had never made a film before and, um, you know, is was, was an incredible actress and I'd known her for years. Uh, we met, I was sitting at Fred 62, a diner in Los Feliz reading uh, Orpheus Rising, which was a Tennessee Williams play. And she was <laughs> a waitress getting off her shift and was like, I like that. That's a good play. She knows her stuff. She really does. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and we started talking. And 12 years later, we kept in touch. Um, 
there was more to that story, but um, it seems like you're the guy to talk to, man. You talk yeah. to randomly meet you somewhere, <laughs> and then twelve years later you're working. Yeah, hanging man. Out. I believe in like I don't know. It's just, but it's it's not it's it hap it's not it happens out i don't i'm not like a professional networker either like there are people that do that and i yeah. don't do that at yeah. all like this is super the let the universe just sort of bring people mm -hmm. like i ran into a guy at the bar here in provo dude who i hadn't seen in 15 years he was in a, he was a line producer on a show that i produced for hgtv really 15 years ago he was in the fucking bar in the provo one bar, the, the one, one bar, bar in the yeah. dive bar abgs and I recognized him, and I said, Chris Lopez? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, Chase, Chase Manhattan? And he was like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> Literally <laughs> I, leave. He wasn't, he, he, I couldn't remember what show he had, he had done, but he remembered right away. And he wasn't even here for the film festival. What? He was here scouting for a documentary that he's shooting in Provo and had no idea of the film festival. Wow. Thought my film festival badge was part of my Halloween costume. Dude, <laughs> what, what, was, what would your costume be? I, I was a filmmaker, but that was my Halloween costume. <laughs> You're like oh, a fucking hilarious. rabbit. You're like a rabbit's foot at this point. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, man. man. Yeah. You said something really cool yesterday. We were talking about, I asked you, like, what's next for you? And you're, you said, like, no, I don't do that. Like, I just, whatever is, mm -hmm. I just, I just pay attention to whatever is coming. Yeah. I thought I thought that was a really cool way to look at life. Yeah, it's it's you know I go through it, and there, there are certain windows that mm -hmm. open and opportunities that present themselves, and I think it's important to capitalize them. And because God damn it, how many times have I made plans? And if I told you my answer, you know the joke is you make plans and God laughs. Yeah, because yeah. I could tell you whatever the f I could tell yeah. you whatever I want to happen or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but who knows but, if this going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Right. right. You know, you get diverted and you got to just allow that to happen because yeah. it's expectations that'll get you down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dude, 100%, man. It beats the shit out of you. It'll beat the crap out of you. Yeah. So try to try to extricate the expectations and allow the marvelous things to happen and go with the flow. And, you know, it's... It's oh, brought me man. here. I'm glad to be here with you guys. Yeah, here man. Provo. Yeah, man. It, right? yeah, man. Excited. Well, I mean, we had dinner in L.A. a couple we months did. ago. We did. And neither of us had plans of going to Provo. It wasn't a subject that came up. Nope. But here we are. Yeah. Fucking you, rabbit's cause, foot. Yeah, because then we talked, and I think I was like, yeah, yeah, we were talking afterwards, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we got in a film question. You go, I'm in fucking film question. Yeah, it exactly. Like, it was Yeah, wild. it was like the, a week later, even. Yeah. It was like really soon yeah. after. Yeah, yeah. It was wild, man. Right. So... Okay, so you said that there are people out there that are what did you what was the term you said professional networkers? Uh, networkers? What yeah. is a professional network? You know, they go to like networking events, and like uh, a large part of their life is like follow up emails and like sending people cupcakes yeah. and like <laughs> you know like trying to get in with people. You know, I'm like get those cupcakes in my fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so. We've never had that. This is why I'm digging into this because we've never had someone like this on the show. And mm -hmm. I think that a lot of people, a lot of people are like they're trying to figure out how to make it right. And it's hard to figure out how to make it in the in this kind of business, which is the film business, which is super sexy from the outside. And it's what yeah. everybody mm -hmm. fucking wants to get into. I mean, I'm literally wearing a shirt right now that there says there movies. are too many movies. And so you, you have all these. <laughs> there are a lot of movies. There's a fucking ass load yeah. of movies right now. I've got 4,000 movies plus on my to watch list. 
And that's, you know, that's a lot of that's movies. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to make it through the movies that I already plan on watching. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. And that's a, just barely scratching the surface. I know, man. And you, you got a good taste in movies. We'll get there because okay. we've talked about that. But like the audience is always, how do I make it? How do I do it? How do mm-hmm. I find these people? And then the business is always like, here are these rules. You do this, 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 and this, and this. Like if you want to be a successful actor, you mm-hmm. have to, these sort of steps you have to go through. And then afterwards you hear about how people actually make it, which seems like they know somebody who knows somebody. And then it's, it's sort of like, always some sort of backdoor avenue and it's fascinating to hear that there are these people out there that are like professional know somebody know but like they're actually trying to build a career at being someone that places people Mm. almost like a matchmaker to a certain extent so like i i like your philosophy better man which is like just be present and just be here and meet people and understand people and and know when you should like I'm sure you know when it's right to call somebody and be like, you're going to fucking love this. 100%. And I think a part of being able to do that is it's not ever, it's never for me about what can you do for me? Hmm. Because that gets you nowhere in life. Hmm. Not only because it's selfish, but because nobody fucking wants to help anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like really, you have to, it's really about what can I do for you? How can I help achieve your dreams how can i make Mm -hmm. your day a little bit better how can i make sure you have a great time tonight how can i what can i do for you and then hope 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 it comes full circle yeah karma yeah you know and then you know that you know it's not just a one-way street with somebody and so it Mm -hmm. it becomes a little bit more but your 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 philosophy the core of your philosophy is incredibly disarming right because we you know, we're all cynical. We're East Coasters. We're cynical. There's yeah. this level like someone comes up and they're like, hey, can I help you out? And you're like, what the fuck do you want? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a sense yeah. of that. Yeah. And that sort of disarming thing that you do, um, I think, knocks people off their pedestal to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, and it's, it's yeah, thanks. I think that's, uh, I think that's accurate. Yeah. And then, then they, you know, because it's not like you're expecting uh, reciprocation, but no. it seems like it would be, your chances of getting some sort of reciprocation is much mm-hmm. higher if you are genuine with these people and you're like, hey, look, you know, I just want to help you out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it doesn't need to be reciprocal. I'm not doing it for the reciprocation. You know, I certainly sure. hope in the grand scheme of things that the universe rewards me for, for whatever, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm contributing to it myself, you know, but but it's not like a, it's not a, a deal, but but, you know, it's, yeah you have to build it's building relationships but even when it came to filming this film like and we shot it in louisville kentucky that's super cool i've got an aunt and uncle there but i don't know anybody else in louisville kentucky i definitely could have shot it in a network where i knew more people but i was like the filmmaker was from there we wanted it to look like the south so we decided to bring it on to her hometown and I had to build a whole new world of relationships in Kentucky because none of us, that me, Emily, and Ashley George, who was our director on it, that we approached to direct it after seeing her film Diablo, which did really well here a couple of years ago at FilmQuest. None of us knew anybody in the film world in in, uh, Kentucky. But How do you start? You just show up to Kentucky and go to the local bar? No, that would have been... uh, that would have been one way, I suppose. <laughs> I can't remember what the very first call was we made, but I found myself just f- 
found one number for somebody that works in the industry in Kentucky and then just, you know, mm. have a chat on the phone and like you said, try to be disarming and, you know, engaging and a- appealing and so that they can recommend you to somebody else who then refers you to somebody else. Mm. And the next thing you know, you've put together, you've talked to everybody that's ever had any interest in doing film in, in Kentucky. Even we even talked to people in Ohio in the industry up there sure. because it's not too far away. Mm. Indiana, we were talking, I talked to everybody in, the, in that part of the country that has any experience or passion or dream of working in film and then handpicked a team. But you're also like based on that. You're you're as a producer, you're going with this storyteller into a place where it's not Atlanta, but because you're recreating the South, that could be very traumatic. How was that process for you in terms of sort of like protecting that the safety and that that space for her? Well, she had that, that was that was work she had to do on her own, frankly, and it it was work that she was prepared to do. This was obviously mm. her script, mm-hmm. and it was. It was, you know, I, she talks about it better than I can, of course, but all of, the, all of the bad guys in the film were now, you know, her, her, her pawns. Mm-hmm. And she was like fucking with them and laughing with them. And I, it just really flipped the script on, on a lot of her things. It really, making this was not a return to the trauma as much mm-hmm. as if it was, as much as it was working through the trauma and mm-hmm. getting it was the light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. it was being the master of of that story instead of the victim right mm-hmm. and i fucking love that yeah because you know obviously there's a lot of conversation or not a lot but i think there's a valuable conversation that should that is happening today about victimhood yeah and um, it's very easy to get wrapped into the, the, the almost glorification of victimhood today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think there's something a lot more to be gained by escaping the victimhood and becoming the master of mm-hmm. your, your own story and, mm-hmm. and the master of your kingdom and your domain. Especially if you're doing... really grasping your power because I really think everybody's got so much power yeah, in, within man. them. You know? And it's yeah. about... And I really try to empower people. And, and that's why it's, it was important for me to help tell the super empowering story. Dude, it's great, man. It, 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 I think that the, the, there's a, a, a fine line between like trying to recover and find your empowerment with a story and then just being exploited by your story and exploiting your story. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And I think that was a dance that we really didn't want it. Want, want that to be like a it, we didn't want it to be a showcasing of her story and it's not the film's not yeah yeah it's great man yeah I can't wait to see it I'm excited about it thanks and yeah, it's cool it's cool it's cool that you were there and you guys made that connection to be able to make that happen man yeah she's awesome yeah uh, we're nominated for a few awards so we're gonna go to the award show tonight huh here it's gonna be a shit show of course yeah but, but we've got a nomination for best fantastic short best Ensemble cast, which I'm very proud of because casting is always like a really mm-hmm. fun process. And we have about like 20 characters in this thing, half of whom we flew in from L.A., a few we flew in from New York, one from Chicago, and cast the other half locally. Nice. And, and um, How many people did you have in the movie? How many I think it's like close to, it's like 
It's like close to 20, 20 15 maybe. Really? A little big cast. Yeah, for short, that's a for big cast. For short, cap. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm part of it. Nice. I have a t- the sm- like one of the smallest roles. <laughs> I get shot. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody tells me seeing me get shot was one of their favorite parts. <laughs> so what does that mean? Thanks. Those are the friends you keep, right? Yeah, yeah, those are my best friends. (laughs) Those are my best friends. Well, congrats on the noms, man. Oh, and yeah, and then our actor, um, Zachary Grant, uh, is nominated for best actor in the short. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. So I'm hopeful. A lot of the team had to leave, but I stuck around to accept all the awards. And and I was even asked by Sam Fox because we've made, we've worked, I've worked on about four of her films. We go back 10 years. 12 years to acting class because there are rules to trying to make it in the business to go back mm-hmm. to what you were saying. There are rules mm-hmm. that don't matter at the end of the day. Like, like they, what? Like what? Like, no, like the steps to becoming an actor, you know, you want right. to be studied and learned and mm-hmm. like, you know, go to, you know, study with some of the best teachers you can and like do the improv work, you know, work. And, yep. and you know, all, there are all the things, but then no matter how much time and energy you put into it, it could pay off zero, but it pays mm-hmm. off in other ways. Yeah. You know, like it takes shape in other ways and you don't know what you're meant to do. You know, just because you want something doesn't mean it's what's meant for you. Yeah. But nevertheless, Sam and I met in acting class years and years ago and um, have played on screen boyfriend and girlfriend before she was in a film of mine where we did that. We, we had started doing that in acting class. And then I, ate, I played her boyfriend in her first uh, uh, film that came out here, I think, called Unagi. Mm-hmm. And then I AD'd Bad Acid <laughs> and um, produced a film with, with her for Desiree Staples and worked on a couple music videos together. Anyways, we've been working together forever. So she said, you know my story. She had a, she had a jet off to New Orleans, New Orleans Festival. Yeah, yeah. Festival, mm. Festival. So if she wins an award, she said, I, I, she'd like me to accept it on her behalf. And I'm really hoping I get the opportunity to accept the Minerva Award, yeah. which is for mm. Best Female Filmmaker. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hopefully get up there. <laughs> Chase Manhattan. <laughs> that would be a real kick, and all the women in the yeah, room are like, fuck, "Fuck this guy!" Especially <laughs> because you're also here with like the female empowerment movie. Yeah, you're like, no, well, hey. it's not. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing. <laughs> hey, I've, I've. <laughs> We're gonna stand up and applaud you. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. will. Yeah, we'll. It'll, It'll definitely be a riot if that happens. And I hope she yeah. wins, but there are a lot of marvelous people up for that award. Mm. I was talking to Lola Blanc, who not only had a great film, but is, was at your party last night. And uh, she's up for that award and also is in the running for best name at Film Quest because her name, Lola Blanc, is really freaking cool. cool. <laughs> that's, that's a cool really name. Good, I think that's cooler Blanc. than mine. Yeah. And, um, yeah, Sophie, I know, did Ride Baby Ride is in that category as well, which is another good film and yeah. cool filmmaker. There's a lot of cool cool filmmakers out here, man. Dude, we're, we're, I feel very blessed to be here, and I think it's been this theme. You go back and you listen to the show before we did this whole film festival thing and film quest thing, I had a real shit attitude about film festivals, and mm-hmm. I've had one for quite some time. And, you know, coming out here and being a part of this group and making all these new friends and, and having this thing happen, it's been wonderful. And it's, yeah. you know, due to the work that we did together on our film, Come Home, I don't think I've sent it to you yet. You did send it to did me. I, I did it see it. I yes. saw it a couple months ago. You sent it to me. Oh, yeah, that's right. right. Oh, or, or maybe Will sent it to me. Oh, maybe. Actually, 
I think I might have seen it even before I met you. Oh, okay. He sent it to me. That's right. I said, send me some of Mike's work so I know who I'm meeting with, you know, yeah. for dinner. And uh, I watched it. And that's why it was like, that was a few months ago. So mm-hmm. I was hanging out with Lance all night yeah. last night. And I was like, <laughs> and, and that dawned on me after talking to him for like an hour. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're, you're, you're the guy. Come home. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. right. Because, you know, there, there was so much stimulation in that movie. There you know? is. There is. Yeah. There but is. I... It immediately clicked. Well, not immediately, but when it clicked, it clicked. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I, yeah, obviously. You <laughs> yeah, were awesome you asked me, that. you were like, oh, so you're, you're an actor, actor, right? You that's your thing, that. you act? And, and I was like, yeah. Yeah. And then like two yeah. minutes passed. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, two that's why you asked me that. Okay. Something else. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's just so much. To, there's a lot to keep track of. But yeah. um, but that movie was fucking awesome. Thanks, you thank were great you. in that movie. Thank you very much. That's, uh, I mean, so. Do, do you struggle with addiction, or do you guys have a story? Was it a story of addiction, right? I, I think with with booze, there's always that fine line, yeah. right? Where like you're sort of you have your weeks where you you're dancing with a little bit, and you have times where it's not in the, you don't even think about it, think yeah. twice about it. Yeah. Um. So I think it was just kind of looking at that, and at that point, I was I was hitting it a little hard. Oh, you were. And so started, I was like, you know, I think this would be a good thing to kind of talk about, like not in a way that was, I think debilitating um but oh. just being like oh i'm gonna i'm in a kind of a, i'm in a kind of a rough spot right now personally and emotionally career-wise and it was like oh. we, we both were yeah. yeah 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 and there's 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 pieces of the both of us mm-hmm. in this movie and what's fascinating about it is that i really wasn't conscious of that mm-hmm. and so when we when i was cutting it and we were putting it together I, mm-hmm. I i had this moment where i'm sitting here and i was going through a lot of what he was going through it wasn't mm-hmm. with booze with me, it was like, all right. I think as a guy that grew up in in the 90s, right? I'm Generation X, or I'm like the tail end of Generation X. The way I came up, and I, I used to work in car garages when I was a kid. I used to work, I was like an airplane mechanics assistant for, for a long time. I, I house painted for a long time. And yeah. me and uh, Lance come from that sort of blue collar mm-hmm. sort of history. And what's fascinating is we now live in a time where everything's supposed to be, uh, you know, sort of feeling your emotions and sort of tackling how you're feeling. And it's really hard for men right now. It's very difficult for men right now to try to figure out how they reprogram themselves from being essentially uh, the caretakers, the the people that put things together, that find the the Mm hunter-gatherer kind of vibe, and then how you align yourself in a packs of other men and how you are mm-hmm. with that. And it's this uh, world of control for dudes, I think. And I think that we, we are, we are brought up to be like, I know it's tough, but suck it up. Um, I can figure this thing out. Um, no matter how difficult things are, I'm not going to open myself up to weakness. I'm just going to just put my head down and plow through it and make this Definitely. thing happen. And that was what that movie was for me. And so our character was going through what he goes through. But um, I think at its core, this film is about dudes trying to trying to control their world and trying to control their mm-hmm. life. And what I love about our character in this film is he's actually open. <laughs> he's actually open to some new age tech. Not even new age, but he's open to meditation. He's open to this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it fucks him over. Like it actually doesn't work for him. Right. Um, and... It's pretty cool, man. Yeah, that the, the meditation and all those kinds of practices are something that, you know, I I wanted I wanted to do more of myself, but 
I don't know where the cures are. Where, where, how do you find that alignment and that peace? Because I know somebody that's meditated for like 48 hours straight. And then I talk to him and I'm like, oh man. I'm, and I'm like, you're still really messed up. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should probably go back into that. Well, dude. <laughs> I mean, Do another 24. Another 24. Another 24. It's fascinating, right? So the, the like I've talked about it a few times on the show. Um, I went through some shit with this movie like everybody does. And uh, I ended up coming out of the back end of it like incredibly crushed for a film that didn't happen. And... Uh, and I was in a real tough spot and Gina was with me and she just like you, you, you hit a low where you go, I'm not going to do this anymore. Fuck this. I'm not going to do this. And you, you, you go so fucking low and, and Gina was there and she's like, I don't like who you are right now. I don't like what you're doing. Mm. And, and I was the character in the movie. I go, mm. I can get myself through this. I can figure this thing out. Mm. I can sort of take care of this. Right. And she goes, you have to do therapy. And if yeah. you don't, that's do th- the one. Huh? Yeah. If you don't do therapy, then we're going to have trouble. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. you, you got to go do that. And it helped. It It helped. Like, so it, it started to give me the tools to understand what it was I was feeling, but it didn't fix anything. No, it doesn't fix anything. But mm-hmm. self-awareness is one of the greatest mm-hmm. powerful things of in our toolbox, huh? Dude. And then, so I had this great therapist who she's like, you're the only filmmaker that I have. Mm-hmm. I have mostly like ex cons. I have like, Oh, all like these tough dudes, and she goes, uh, which Tony I was, Soprano. which I yeah, which I was fucking fascinated by, and then she says like, you know what's fascinating about men? Women have all these outlets for this, mm. so they have groups, they have uh, friendships. Like when women get together as friends, they're very open to be able to be emotional with each other and sort of go through this whole process. Mm. But men don't. The only thing men really have is like AA, like specific programs mm. out there mm. that are cu- that are custom for it, and so then strangely after i started to do that this show became a fucking mm-hmm. weird little mm-hmm. therapy session with dudes mm-hmm. and you get these guys that come mm-hmm. in and they feel safe and then yeah. we start to talk about oh, this yeah. stuff um and I, all that stuff was circling around the movie when we were making yeah. the movie yeah yeah i'm really sorry i have to use the restroom well we could take awesome. a pause yeah go ahead it's right there at the sorry. end of the hall stand by we'll play a little track while you uh go and do that
Okay, we're back. Um, well, before we get into it, actually, this is a good time. I'm going to do some ad reads. I'm going to do some ad reads. There you go. There we go. Here we go. So we're going to uh, queue up our ad read music. What's up, gang? What's up, gang? Hi, 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 hi. All right. You know the deal. This is the time uh, where we show a little love to the men and women that make this show possible. Talking about the sponsors of this episode. And uh, yeah, first up, I'm just going to bang them right. Oh, wow. I'm just going to bang them right out. Jesus. I'm in Russia. Lance is laughing at me right now. Uh, first up, our friends over at Fujifilm. Um, if you are looking for a new camera, if you're looking for a versatile package, shooting package, let's say you're someone that uh, makes your money by shooting photos and shooting video. I can't say enough awesome things about Fujifilm's camera, uh, cameras. The Fujifilm GFX100S is a large medium format camera that Gene and I have been using for quite some time. We've shot some amazing images with this rig. Uh, if you go to Gina's Instagram, which you'll find off of my Instagram, but I think it's just Gina underscore Gisela is what her Instagram is. Um, if you go to her Instagram, you'll see some of these amazing uh, photos that she's taken. Here's an interesting story. She came out here to support me. <clears throat> and while she's out here, this is why I love Gina so much. While she's out here, she's like, I'm going to get bored during the day. So I'm going to produce a photo shoot. And so she flew out to Utah, doesn't know anybody out here. Uh, put together a local crew, local team of people, and uh, went and did fashion spreads up in the mountains here at Provo, Utah. Uh, she went up with the GFX 100S and shot some beautiful, gorgeous photographs. I saw some of them last night. Um, and uh, it wouldn't be made possible without her Fuji camera. It's such a lightweight rig that she could throw in the bag, and literally these photos are at the level of billboards. So it's really amazing. And what's great about Fujifilm is that their new camera, uh, the GFX 102, is uh, now the same quality as a large format uh, still camera, but it's for video, which ultimately means that they are competing with like the Aries out there. They're competing with the Reds out there. Um, so if you're looking for an interesting choice on a camera, check out Fujifilm's cameras. And like I've said on the show, they are supporting filmmakers. They finance short films. They do all sorts of really great stuff. Make sure you catch the Fujifilm Creator Series here at A Love With The Process. Also supporting the show are friends over at Blackmagic Design. Blackmagic is the place that I go to, especially for color grading. So DaVinci Resolve, we use that uh, DaVinci Resolve on Come Home. Uh, when you actually see this piece, there's a bunch of snow effects. We use the real snow machine. So we actually got a real snow machine in for it. But then there's stuff that happens inside the house that we had to do compositing for. Uh, I did all of that in Resolve along with my color grading love 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 davinci resolve and i also use the black magic 6k pro for our b cam stuff so uh some of the best shots i've said this multiple times some of the best shots in come home were shot with the black magic camera and so uh just and by the way i'll say this again i'm not brand loyalist here there's a tool for every project but I need to have at my disposal so when I have some crackpot idea and I can call you up last minute to make something, I, I wanna make sure I have a camera there that uh, the quality of it can still be projected on a screen at a film festival, the quality of it can still be uh, blown up and put on a billboard in Times Square. I mean, literally Gina shot a picture of B. Miller with her GFX in our driveway 
um, during COVID, and that picture ended up on the billboards in Times Square. So uh, make sure you have the right kind of camera uh, for your projects. Um, also supporting the show over at Boca Rentals. Let's say you want to uh, now upgrade your lens choices, because I... I'll say this more than anything else. Your camera's really not that important. It's the lenses that make everything, you know? And so if you're looking for those cinema lenses, go to Boca Rentals in Los Angeles or Las Vegas. Great company. They believe in supporting young filmmakers, young cinematographers. It's the place to go. If you're getting started, they teach you how to use the gear. They run all sorts of different events. And if I say this over and over again, I'm sure Chase understands this. It's important to make friends with your local rental house because at the end of the day, you always don't have the, the, enough money to rent stuff, right? Right. Yeah, he knows. So you get down there, you make you friends. You make deals. You got to make deals. And the best way to make deals is by being genuine. Go down there, hang out with them, talk with them, uh, bring some beers in. People love that shit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so go check out Boca Rentals. Uh, and then uh, I think they got all those. Last but not least, um, make sure you go to inlovewiththeprocess.com. If you love this show, if you want to listen to episodes curated by subject material, it's all up there. Inlovewiththeprocess.com. All right, let's get back into it. Hold on. Well, that's live. That was live. That are you going to Are you going to do an advertisement for wherever you got that sausage from last night? Oh, I know. I wish I knew the butcher. Ooh. Gina went. Ooh, they were good, right? Good. Damn, those were good. She found this butcher in Salt Lake. Oh, what the fuck was the name of it? And they make homemade sausages. They had we had homemade kielbasa last night. That was epic. Uh, that coiled sausage, yeah. that small one. She was telling me that's fennel. So it was yeah. like this flour fennel sausage yeah. that was really great. Yeah. And then the one that was stuffed with, it had kale and some sort of cheese in it. Yeah. So really it hit good. like wildfire. I remember just coming out to like bring out drinks for people and I just heard someone go, fuck, that's good. And I look like, well, what, what is it? What do we eat? What's on the table? Yeah. Yeah. And I just saw you grab a piece and you grabbed another piece. Somebody else grabbed one. And everyone, some guy walked by and just reached in, snatched one. And left. I was like, what the fuck is that? I got to try it. It was just wildfire, man. It was delicious. And very well cooked. Oh, yeah. thanks, thanks, yes, thanks. Very well. We were wrestling with that grill. Yeah, We ran out of gas halfway through the night. And thankfully, Nick Apostoliti showed up like uh, the hero he is that of he course. was born to be. And he's like, I'll cook these in the fucking kitchen, man. And I was like, all right. <laughs> go get them, bro. Go get them. Uh, what is it about propane? It's always running out. I fucking hate propane. <laughs> Me too. It's I, never, I've never not run out of propane. I fucking hate mid, it. Mid-meal. Yeah, yeah. It's never, the like, worst. Yeah, I've never not. That's why I use charcoal. Yeah, me too. This is an ad for charcoal. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. felt like an ad for charcoal. <laughs> Charbroil, the only charcoal we use here in a love of the process. Matchlight. Matchlight. <laughs> Matchlight. <laughs> that's great. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, man, it was food was great last night. We had burgers, we had mm. sausages. I made uh, pastas. Yeah, yeah. So we had we've had that chef's kitchen downstairs the yeah. whole time. So the first night here, I roasted a chicken. Then I made uh, those. Were, that was carnitas pork. So I mm. I did carnitas, and then we had tacos all week. And then, we still got a bunch of leftovers, don't we? We still got some stuff. Uh, unfortunately, we're gonna have to get rid of this. We have a fridge full of fucking beer in Mormon country, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this beer. Yeah, like I don't know where to go with it. I feel like yeah. if I show up and I try to hand it off to someone, they're gonna send me to jail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, maybe the festival. 
Maybe I can ask them. I'll talk to Jonathan. I'm sure they'll have use for it. True. Yeah, because yeah, if like, uh, even if it's not like at the event or maybe like during the, whatever the party is tonight or something. Yeah, maybe I'll talk to him, see what's up. So Chase. Yeah. Um, like, uh, I'm trying to think of, I, like, you're fascinating to me. And since the, the, the day we met and then hanging out and having meals and having a meal together, uh, I'm like, this guy's so cool. At some point, we got to do something together. Yeah, that would be awesome. You know, and like go on an adventure because I feel like adventures with you are fun. Life is an adventure. It's always an adventure. Yeah, man. Yeah, what, like getting off the grid type thing? Maybe, or just just going somewhere, somewhere just doing yeah. something, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, uh, I'm i always down. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that sounds right up my alley. Well, so you've been in some weird places and you've connected some strange fucking people. Like, is there a, you know, is there a story that sticks out to you? Is there a thing that you've done that you're like, I, and you've sort of been standing in the middle of it and you look around and you go, how the fuck did I get here? Yeah, I mean, from, yeah, you know. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> I can see you sorting through what stories you can for tell. Sure, and what you can't for sure, for sure. You know, I mean, my first, uh, my first gig out of college, I was hired as the entertainment coordinator for the Today Show. What the fuck? NBC's Today Show. So I was booking the musical acts and, and associate producing the interviews with like anybody that had anything to do with music, film, or television. And... Through that, and that was when I was like fucking 21 years old. Through yeah. that alone, the amount of stories that came out of that experience, like the first show that I worked on the production of, the first like concert on Rockefeller Plaza was Cool and the Gang Celebration. <laughs> and, I, and here I was on, and then I found myself on stage with Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band, so popping wild. bottles of champagne. <sighs> I had not produced a lot of concerts in my life. At that point, and you're, like, I had, you're like 21. I right? was like 21, mm. but I had put myself through college. Well, not put myself through. I put myself through college doing a lot of things. But while I was in college, one of those things was cater waitering, and I would do these like movie premiere parties, like we did Last Samurai Party, and I would. I, that being said, I popped a hundred, hundreds of bottles of champagne <laughs> throughout college for these parties, but I produced very few concerts. I was running around like a chicken with his head cut off before the show. My boss gave me a real hard time and was like one of those like nightmare, like Devil Wears Prada type type people. So it was really hard for me mentally. It was a challenge. Cut my teeth. It was all good. But I was going crazy. And Clarence Clemens was the saxophone player in the E Street Band. Rest in peace, Clarence Clemens. He was a real saint in real life. And has definitely got his wings up there in heaven, if that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he saw me running around with like a chicken with his head cut off and said, hey, kid. And he had his, his gal get off his lap. He was sitting in the green room on the couch. And he patted the couch next to him, told me to sit down. He put his arm around me. He said, hey, kid, you're all right. You're all right, kid. Yeah. And I looked at him. And in that moment, the whole, this wave of peace rushed over me. Yeah. And I just... And I'd never felt, I've never felt like that in production ever since. Really? That crazy, like, oh my God, it's not going to, you know, yeah. man. Now yeah. I'm just like, breathe. I'm all right. Yeah. yeah. I got this. Yeah. yeah. It's all good. 
Clarence Clemens changed my fucking life in that moment. That lasted for the rest of the, the, the show, which was a four hours of live television that I worked on every day. Intense. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, but at the end of the show, we're back in the green room, and I'm standing in a circle with Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, and they go back to the champagne. Somebody handles, hands me a bottle of champagne mm-hmm. to pop to celebrate the concert. Mm-hmm. He played for four hours, by the way. He started at sundown for, for sound check, and while he only had to play on TV 10 minutes every hour, he played the whole fucking time. There were people in Rockefeller Plaza as far as the eye could see, and then down the side streets, people love Bruce. Yeah, they love yeah, him. Yeah. So I, I could handle this bottle of champagne. I go to pop the bottle. And it shoots out of the bottom of my hand and starts spinning on the floor all over Bruce Springsteen <laughs> and the East Street Bands, <laughs> crocodile cowboy boots. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm never going to work in a business again. <laughs> I look over at my boss and she's like, I knew you were terrible. <laughs> and I look over at Bruce and he goes, hey man, rock and roll, right? <laughs> so cool. So, so cool. cool. I, another one of those. And then the next morning, I could call to her office, and I'm like, oh, I'm getting canned. This yeah. is it. Yeah. She goes, I don't know what the fuck you did, kid, but Bruce wants you to come to his show tonight in the Meadowlands. Here are two tickets. Whoa. They called me this morning. Yeah. Nice. I don't know what you did. I was like, I didn't do anything, I swear. <laughs> 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 one, time, one time on the Today Show, we did this comedy sketch for Jerry Seinfeld, who was promoting the B-movie. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Seinfeld comes off camera into the wings and goes to me, so, was it funny? He said, you're Jerry Seinfeld. What the (laughs) fuck do I know? (laughs) The truth of the matter was, it wasn't really that funny. (laughs) But I wasn't going to tell him that. Right. (laughs) Because who the fuck am I to tell Jerry Seinfeld? He probably yeah. <laughs> he probably knew. And he well, was like, I beat yeah. it around the bush. Yeah. I think he got the idea that I wasn't yeah. like, oh my god, that was hilarious. I, I just threw it back at him. I was like, I don't know, you're Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so weird, man. Yeah, it's so cool to be in those positions, right? You find yourself in like these like dreamlike states where suddenly you're around all these folks that you put on such a huge pedestal. Yeah, yeah. You know? I smoked a blunt with Dave Chappelle once. Did you really? That was definitely one of those, like, is this really happening? <laughs> that was really cool. It was just me and Dave telling stories, making each other laugh, listening to music. That's fucking cool. It's the only, it, we've only hung out twice, and that was one of them. Uh, only twice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. No, but it's like, yeah. yeah, but I don't know. We didn't plan it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. just we found ourselves in that spot and really were enjoying ourselves, so... There's nothing cooler than finding these guys that you feel like are huge gods because of how they've been promoted and everything that's with them. And then when you hang out with them, if they're cool, and then you just have this moment where you're just like, you're just Dave, man. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. That's what it comes down to. Everybody's people. Yeah. And, you know, there's definitely, you know, part of you inside that could get excited about somebody who's a master at their craft, shall we say, not only a celebrity, but just so masterful in what they do that it's awe-inspiring. But they're just people at the end of the day, and 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 having the ability to navigate those terrains and remember that and lead lead with love and light is, you know, really important to, 
to to that and that's why i think why i've been able to be in a lot of those situations mm. because it, you know for all the stories i have to tell I, we were talking about this a little last night Lance. Mm-hmm. i don't have a single photo with anybody i've never once been like hey they're taking a picture with me you know? yeah, right. yeah, right. Right. yeah never not one not one photo so you know i'm the same way brother yeah like I, you I, end up in places to that yeah and it's not intentional what it is is I, I try to stay so focused in the moment Presence. that I'm there, right? Absolutely. And, and I walk away and someone's like, did you get a picture? And I go, oh, I didn't even fucking think of that, Absolutely. Man. I yeah. know. I never take photos. And, you know, and you're, you're a master with a camera. Yeah. You know, yeah. so don't, you know, so it's not for lack of talent. That's yeah, for I sure. Just, yeah. But that's not why I'm there. Right. right? Exactly. Like, I'm not there to collect. I'm there to like, who's this person? What's your fucking deal? Yeah. And if you exactly. find if you find yourself exactly. lucky lucky enough to be around someone yes. that, that knows more than you, yes, that's all I want. Yes, yeah. Yeah. soaking it up. Yeah, you soaking gotta it listen up. to that shit in yourself, dude. I, I met someone uh, this this actor once in uh, it was like when I first came to LA, went to this little uh, screening with a friend of mine that was in town, uh, and I she's talking to this guy's uh, girlfriend him and I look at each other. I was like, hey, what's up, man? What's up? We just started shooting the shit talking. I was like, oh, this is fucking cool. And then we get through the whole conversation. We're laughing and joking. And then uh, they're going to leave. My friend was like, you, you should ask for a picture. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should do that. And I asked her for a picture and you could see it immediately shifted. Right. And yeah. I was like, I fucking, I shouldn't, totally I shouldn't have. I should just let it have been it just, this cool it thing. It just really cheapens an experience. Yeah. I think there's something about the reproduction of things at all, you know, in general, that cheapens it, right? Like the Mona yeah. Lisa is on every mm-hmm. single purse that, or <laughs> scarf or whatever, you know, like it's the most reproduced image of all time. And when, so when I saw it in person, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, there it is. Well, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah smaller yeah. than I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking about. I'm not even just like captivated because I've seen it a million times. Yeah. But if, you, if it's a one of one, in your memory then it's like something really special to be cherished too dude and i love i love memories where you're trying to piece them back together and then you start to tell these stories and then these stories become legend Mm. so like as you sort of bring them up again and you're like this is how i remember it i remember it like this and i have a crazy story that was legend in my mind that i couldn't even wasn't even sure if it was a real story or not okay i I was talking to somebody years, talking to a few people years ago in a in a restaurant in, in L.A. called Dominic's. Do you remember Dominic's? Mm-hmm. It was a, it used to be a big CAA hangout. It was where all the CAA agents hung out. Where is it? Like in Beverly Hills? It was Hills? on it was on uh, Beverly in San Vicente. Okay, it had been there for seventy five years. Elvis Presley would never do a movie unless he signed the contract after dinner at Dominic's. You'd have to bring him to Dominic's and then he'd <laughs> sign, sign the contract after dinner. Um, the I I bartended there and Sean Penn and Charlie Steron would sit at my bar, Jeff Goldblum, Steve Martin. It was like a really A-list spot. Anyways, we were always oh, after work and we the bar team was hanging around and we were talking. Somebody somebody mentioned Little Caesars. And I was kind of like not a main part of the conversation and I piped in from like, you know, I, I was in a Little Caesars commercial once <laughs> and they were like, What? And I was like, Yeah. I, they were like, okay, uh, cool, cool, bro. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, it was. I was like twelve or like ten, and I was in it, and like I sat on a bench, and there was a cyclops in the in the commercial. Cyclops came. They were like, what are you talking about, dude? Are you making this up? I was like, no. I don't think so. <laughs> but I wasn't sure. Yeah. I was like, am I making this up? 
I really was worried. <laughs> People are like you're a bullshit artist, aren't you? You just talk all the time. You have all these stories. Like, are are, are they even true? And I was like. Starting to have this crisis of confidence <laughs> in myself, I was like, "Am I making these things up?" Yeah. I went home, and I'm like, on the computer all night, trying to find yeah. some evidence of this. Cyclops, Little Caesars pizza. Yeah, <laughs> guess what? I found the commercial. Shut up. On a on a YouTube on a, on a, some deep dark corner of YouTube, I put, and it says Little Caesars Cyclops commercial. You could Google it right now. Aren't you? <laughs> And sure enough, it's like 1996. Yeah. And I'm walking through Central Park and I sit on a bench and I'm talking about how two pizzas is better than one and, and how two is always better than one. Right, I feel kid? Like, I feel like I know this commercial. And then the kid sitting next to me looks up and he's got hair covering his face and the wind blows. And the hair parts and he's got one eye. And I'm like, I fucking knew it was true. And I sent it to all my friends. And I'm like, see, I'm not a bullshit artist. They're like, what the fuck? That's the weirdest commercial I've ever seen in my entire life. And sure enough, it was on like TV's weirdest commercials. Remember they used to have yeah, those like, yeah, compilation yeah, yeah, shows? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was on those. It was so bizarre. It would be a hit at Film Quest. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, so cool, man. So random. Look, I, I, this is why I want to be around you, man. It's like you feel like there is... We I've been talking a lot this week about bottling lightning, mm. right? And we do this as as filmmakers. Yeah, We're trying sure. to build the, the, the atmosphere to find lightning and, yeah. and see it strike. And... I really love it in life when it happens. When I'm because I'm a fucking director, so I'm always directing everything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And For so sure. when Gene and I go out and we find places, we love to go to different spots that lightning could potentially strike. Because there's nothing fucking better, man. You oh, go yeah. out, you have a couple glasses of wine, a really great meal, and then you have the balls to turn to a stranger sitting next to you at the bar and go like, "What's up, man?" Yeah. And and oh, that's and that just takes you. It's like the, a door opens and you go down this fucking 100%. other life. Man. And that's why I was saying earlier, like, I think I have something to learn from everybody because sitting at a bar in some hodunk town in nowhere America, striking up a conversation with like a random guy at the end of yeah, the bar dude. opens up worlds, worlds to you. Yeah. Just that one yeah. little yeah spark, that one little lightning can open up a whole world for you. And it's a stranger, right? So then... You find yourself being incredibly honest with a stranger because there's no preconceived notion. Right. There's no stress on it, right? Yeah. You're not worried that stuff that you tell that yeah. person is going to get back to your inner circle group and yeah. it's going to sort of rotate around. I'm typically pretty honest as it is. The scarier <laughs> thing is when they're really honest with you and you're like, oh, fuck. This guy's yeah. This, <laughs> <laughs> like, this guy, is, is he going to kill his this, wife? Yeah, this, <laughs> there's a body in my trunk. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Am I corroborating this yeah, right now? Yeah. Like, I'm down to ride with you, bro. I'll bury the body with you, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I love how optimistic and upbeat you stay about it. Like, yeah, we'll yeah. talk about it on the way over. Fuck yeah, it. Maybe yeah, I'll change your mind. That's, <laughs> that's your wife. She seems nice. You sure you want to do this? Talk about changing minds. I mean, as a producer, that's kind of one of the main. That's to that's that's your job. Yeah, is to change minds and to, to convince people of things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To change a director's mind is probably yeah. the biggest obstacle at times when you feel like you have a casting, like there's a, like she said on or he said on a casting decision, and you want to change their mind. Is that's hard. Yeah, to change hard. mind yeah. is really impossible. 
But I'm, I found myself really good at it as a producer that I thought, started to think that I could carry that into my real life. Mm-hmm. And I realized you really can't change anybody's mind. No. It's stupidity and naivete to think that you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I fell victim to that pretty seriously at, at a certain point in my life. And I had to have a really big wake-up call to realize that, you know, that in work, it, it's, it, if it's work, that's one thing. But in your real life, you know, you have to, you're not in control of people's minds. You yeah, can't, You can't. Yeah, because there's a whole lot to unpack there. And yeah. it's very difficult. And there's no value in trying to change somebody's mind. Yeah, that's true. Mm. That's true. Wow, that got deep real, yeah. real quick. That got real deep. Yeah, what was that moment for you? You said you, you hit a point in life. What was that moment? Well, it was, uh, I think, in the... Uh, it was largely in a romantic relationship I was in, but also um, I think we all sort of went through a bit of that during like COVID and this that really yeah. like hyper, hyper mm-hmm. political... Uh, Wherever that's only unfortunately continued to permeate where we're you know the the divisions among us Mm -hmm. are yeah you know it's a it's a really serious crack between us and I I you know as that crack started to form and the fissures of you know the earth started to just deepen I I thought like I could help bring it people back together Mm. which had to do with changing minds or like at least like loosening minds Mm -hmm. i felt like that was something i was and i still feel beholden to like a responsibility to do that because like you said i am part like part of my thing is bringing people together so to watch people drift away that i know can't be together is so difficult for me to watch yeah and so i was really trying to like hold like keep people together and then i realized that these that's like you know trying to keep an island attached to a continent you know yeah. like these these fish these, these things need to drift apart maybe and and, and they'll then they'll figure it, it they'll out figure they'll it figure it out, it out. Yeah. yeah that's or not i don't know we'll see how things go in my day-to-day it certainly feels like we're all still connected yeah mm-hmm. i think dude i think so right dude i mean i think what we went through as a society and what we're still going through as a society is just like this I think it's hard not to, this is, I'm not going to get crazy about this, yeah. but it's hard not to feel like it was a big experiment. Like the, the, there's a level of like, yeah. wow, here's an opportunity. Let's see what we can do with this opportunity and let's see how far we can take this thing. And and, and the sort mm-hmm. of the manipulation and the sort of fusion that, or fission that happened with, with COVID specifically. Mm-hmm. And it's like before that, like I remember my, roommate mike came up to me like two days before and he's like there's this fucking virus that's going around and they're right. gonna shut everything down i go bullshit like there was this sense of me yeah. like they're not gonna shut fucking anything down yeah mm-hmm. well yeah. i mean that but that's why film and music and you know these things are are the really those are the cornerstones of what brings us together yeah yeah you know mm-hmm. and that's the one of the main values of of film and, and entertainment is to just keep the bonds between us that's mm-hmm. that's 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 it's big yeah i mean and we're, we're not just talking about the people we work with but the people that watch this yes, yes completely yeah. that's yes. what i mean yes even more so yes i agree with you man and it, it, like no the people we work with sometimes <laughs> after working together some of us get close and some of us are like i'm not want to see that person yeah again. you're yeah <laughs> yeah 
You know yeah. those ones that happen. You're like, ah, oh, fuck, that started good. No, but... that doesn't happen that often. What's mm. fascinating is that the, the, the byproduct of to being honest, is, I think, as a storyteller, it's the same thing that we were talking about when you meet people. And, and I think that it's, a, I think the most powerful stuff that I see as far as like messaging is concerned or, or themes are concerned are things that aren't being crowbarred in there. And it's, mm. it's like when you sort of have an experience and you have an idea and then you can sort of go down the path of that idea. We didn't know we were going to make a movie about addiction and about yeah. like all that stuff. That's not what we started out to mm. make. Yeah. And, and when you, find it along the way it sort of mm-hmm. flowers into this thing and, and it it changes the way we think because mm-hmm. we've been through this process and then by a byproduct of that the audience thinks in a different way that's amazing and with any of my films i try not to answer anything i fucking hate like we were sitting through a film the other night where it was like i'd say a good 25 minutes of like let's wrap this up and like yeah. characters sort of walk in and go okay so when you saw me come through this doorway it's because i was in that other room it's like yeah. so specific yeah. and you're like what the fuck am i doing no. i feel like i'm being taught something right yeah, yeah. no I, I don't need you to hold my hand no mm. leave it open yeah let people formulate their own conclusions yeah yeah i think if one of that that should happen is because you're there's something in the story is not conveying the emotion and so instead of that you're trying to logically inform. Yeah. yeah and it's like ah it's because we're not the, the feelings aren't there yeah yeah, yeah it's tough mm. and you just don't want to force things mm-hmm. I, I think that's the main theme of the show is that you don't want to like you don't want to force things in there i think if you're coming at anything with an ungenuine sort of goal right if you're like look i need to meet these people i gotta figure out how to talk to them the right way i gotta get in the right place and i gotta put together this you know, I got to put together the the likes on Instagram and the followers on Instagram so that I can then go to this company and get this. And the, 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 mm-hmm. like, if that's your fucking plan, uh, it's completely obvious to the, all those folks that you're talking to. And then the payoff, it's still fucking hollow, right? Because yeah. how yeah. often does that work out for you? You know? Do you need a movie to make sense? At, in general? Yeah. Not necessarily, no. as long as it's good. Yeah. Mm. How about you? Yeah, I've been thinking about this a bit lately, and I'm thinking about it even in terms of like the difference of my what I'm what I require and when I'm reading mm-hmm. versus when I'm watching. And I think I allow things to be a little bit more abstract in film. Why do you think that is? I don't know because when I'm reading, I like like Pulp Fiction. I like really straightforward things, and I don't really enjoy being fucked with. And like, I don't know, I get mad at the writer if they're like fucking with me. But if a mm. filmmaker's fucking with me, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's fucking with me. Well, I mean, there's, there's, something, there's something fascinating about uh, the two mediums, right? Yeah. So when you read a book, everything that you're, that you're seeing in that book is somehow related to things that you've seen already. So like you're sitting there and you're like, here's this mm. character. And you're like, that reminds me of Uncle, uh, Uncle right. Ted. Or like they go, uh, Louisiana. And you go, oh, that one time right. I was in Louisiana. So you're mm. physically painting these images right. in your head. Mm. As opposed to film. And we watched, uh, what was that movie the other night? Juggernaut. Yeah. Which is like, I don't know if you saw it. It's a short. No, but I heard about it's it. It's a fantasy one. Yeah, fantasy one. And that one has. Civil War? No, 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 no. no. It's, it's like medieval. Sorry. Yes. Oh. Medieval. Oh, medieval. That's right. Medieval. Okay. So then uh, that piece, no dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it's wow. all action oriented cool which is like i gotta go from a to b to c and do this and do that and then you it's it's tone and vibe and so when you get into something like that i don't care 
if the director's mm-hmm. explaining things or going places because I've never witnessed this before. Right. So it's like going into someone's house for the first time and then you have right. someone open the door and you go, that's Mary. And she bought that couch at Filene's and this came from here right. and that came from, and you're like, <laughs> Filene's basement. Yeah, you're just like, get the fuck out of here. You yeah. know, like, but if you walk into a space and you look around for the first time, you're taking all these snapshots and building your own story with it. And I think that's the difference between a book mm-hmm. and a movie. Yeah, you know, that makes sense. I love that dude. Have you ever bought a couch from Filene's? <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought it was a clothing store. It is a clothing store. <laughs> Fuck off. That would be weird. <laughs> they sell couches at TJ Maxx. I know that because I always had this theory that my mother, when she passes, and I hope that doesn't happen anytime soon, but that in her will, it'll just be like, in the couch, in TJ Maxx, in the third aisle, in the right cushion, if you reach your hand underneath the cushion, there's a shirt that I think you'll like. <laughs> <laughs> like... I love that she would send you on this scavenger hunt and the, 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 the prizes. It's a shirt I think you'd like. Yeah, exactly. It's like a recommendation. That's it. I didn't want to buy it because I wasn't uh, sure. But. That's like your little Disney Pixar movie that like you get the shirt, the kid gets the shirt, and we all cry because we're like, fuck, that's such a nice oh, shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Go to McDonald's on yeah. Fifth Avenue, yeah. and under the table in the back, there's a button. When you push it, you get a text yeah. on your phone. I love this. I love that. I do too, man. That sense of adventure is... I mean, that's, I don't know, I think we've talked, like, and I've talked about a lot on the show. I, I, for, I started this thing years ago, whenever we would go to different cities and I would have to do music videos, I'd do bar safaris. Oh, cool. And the idea behind the bar safari was that uh, you show up to a town that you've never been before, you do a little bit of research, and you find, like, the trashiest bar, you find, like, the weirdest spot, you yeah. make a list, and you go into the first bar, you talk to the bartender, and you go, we're on a safari, what's your list? And then obviously you throw your list out, and you continue, and you go on this adventure, and you meet these people. You would do that for cruise when, they, when you get into a location? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. That's yeah. great bonding and really getting into mm-hmm. the integrity and fabric of a city and a culture. And a, yeah, dude. That's I, I, awesome. I hated Las Vegas until I did a bar safari in Las Vegas. Interesting. And we yeah. went, we went cool. off the strip. And mm. there's this one place called the Hard Hat Saloon. That's a great name. In Vegas. That and, sounds like fun. And it's like one of those bars that have cushions on it so you can take a nap. Like, you know. You have Whoa. A couple of, you know? And then, uh, Is that why they have those soft edges in some I bars? Think it's for the, I think it's for the regulars. Oh, yeah. Because you just come in, you put your head down. Right. And they also have, it was off strip, but the, in the bar, it was like a glass service bar, and they have like uh, little slot machines that are yeah. inside the bar. Right. That is very cool. There was this dude behind, he's like, best tacos in Vegas. And there was this guy in the kitchen. Like, I felt like you had to wake him up. You had to like kick him, and he's like, no. <laughs> 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 he gets back on the grill. I love those characters. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I, spent, dude. I used to live above a bar in Manhattan my, uh, a long time ago. And it was like a real, like you had to be an alcoholic to get in there, you know? Mm. And like at the end of the night, it only closed for like an hour a day, you know, from like 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. or something like that. It was closed and they would have to get everybody out. And the bartender would just like pull the stools out from everybody underneath them who were like sleeping on the bar. (laughs) Oh, it was, it was a real, it was a real, a lot of characters. I I should make a movie about them. Yeah. there's a there's there's one bar movie I can't remember with Steve Buscemi that's oh. shot in Queens. Oh, 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 oh Shay's Lounge. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's yeah, kind yeah, of the closest yeah. you, uh, you. I think you get to like a really good 
What's what are other good bar movies? Well, you sort of look at like the early uh, John Favreau stuff when he did Swingers. He always mm. goes in and out of like clubs certainly. and stuff. Certainly, That's that a was good one. famously the dre- famously the Dresden, Dresden, right? Yeah. Rest in peace, Marty. Dude, I was so pumped that I actually got to see them before. He I died. got to sing with them. Uh, shut the fuck up. A couple times. No. Yeah, because I do a mean Sinatra. Yeah. So. So and I would, I would slide him some deep cuts, like written on a piece of paper. And make, oh, okay. Have you seen? Oh, so, do you remember this? No. Oh, the, the the Dresden is the couple from the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah I remember you telling me about this. Yeah. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. They were so cool. So cool. That's fucking rad that you got. To I know. That. I know. Oh my god. Oh my god. I know. It was even cooler than my Jerry Seinfeld story. Yeah. Already in a fucking lane, man. <laughs> <laughs> So you were in New York for a while. When yeah. We, when we, I still, I still consider myself a New Yorker. You know, I was there. I just spent three weeks in Brooklyn. Oh, I last, fucking love Brooklyn. Earlier this month, yeah. I lived in New York for about a year. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. And we did a bar. We did, I think the most bar safaris I've ever done anywhere oh. in this country have been in New York. Oh. And they're amazing. Yeah. Um, so the bar safari, do you make the program? So you start with that. So what you do is you make a list. So my assistant, Tony who I love. I haven't, I haven't seen him in a while, but he was my assistant for like six, seven years. And uh, his job, every time we went somewhere, I'd be like, Tony, make us a bar safari list. Mm. And so he'd go do the research, make the list to go in. And the epic one, the epic story is New York. The first time we really did it was in New York. And the move was this, and I've told the story on the show, but you guys have to sit through it, so go ahead. Um, I was selling DVDs. I made these trashy grindhouse movies oh, a while cool. ago. And I, yeah, I saw those. And I would go to these conventions and sell merch. Sick. And I, my assistant, I said to him, like, dude, I can't pay you, but I'll tell you this. We do two days at a convention. I will take whatever I need to cover the payment of everything that I have, and we'll take our profits, and we will go on a bar safari through new york city and he was like yeah and we fucking sold i think we sold like four grand five grand worth wow. of shit right and That's so then awesome. we go to manhattan i get a fucking swank hotel in manhattan for like three or four days and we go on a bar safari right and so the first one that we did he makes a list i forget what bar it was it was this underground bar bricks very typical to new york city i think it was like east village and so we get out into this underground bar and we talk to the bartender and we go, we're on a bar safari. And he's like, what the fuck's that? And we're like, okay, here's a list of bars that we're going to do. We're going to hit each of these bars. Rule is one drink or one piece of food per bar. We're going to try to hit as many as we possibly can. Okay. And he goes, all right, all right, all right. And he gives us our list. Now there's this guy sitting at the end of the bar. And once again, you tell stories the way you remember them because we didn't document it. This guy sitting at the end of the bar and he's leaning over the bar. And he's got a fedora on. He's got like this hat on. And he turns and he, and he looks at us and he has like Tom Waits voice. Oh, that's awesome. And he's like, you, you boys on an adventure? He says to us, and of course my eyes light up. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, what's up? And I slide next to him and he goes, I'll give you a list of bars to go to. And we're like, okay, all right, great. And so he's like, he grabs a napkin and he starts jotting down these bars, places that I had never been to. And some of them are pretty rudimentary i think like mcgreevy's was on there and some of these like some of the the oldest bars in new york and so we're like thanks man thanks man thanks man and so we go off right we hit first bar drinks second bar drinks third bar now we're fucking time traveling right because we're drinking and drinking and Mm -hmm. drinking and so then we show up to this dark bar really dark and who's sitting in the bar the guy with the fedora 
And he looks at us and goes, can I join you on your adventure? <laughs> and we were like, yeah, man. And I'm looking at this guy like he's fucking like, it's like Lucifer that yeah. he's showing up and he's going to join us on this thing. And I'm like, yeah. But he turned out to be some TV writer and he turned yeah. out to be this super fucking rad guy, man. Cool. Yeah. Tom Waits. Tom Waits. Yeah, it was Tom Waits. Yeah. Hey, fellas. He's, he's a character. huh? I, Did you meet him? I've never met him. No, I've been making some music lately that people have been comparing to his stuff. And I'm like, oh, that means I don't sound very good. But, <laughs> but he's what an incredible you? songwriter. <laughs> and actually, you? I'm fully embracing it. It's like actually awesome. It's like a he sounds compliment. amazing. Yeah, it's, it's like, a major compliment. But he's not a singer. You yeah, know what I mean? Like yeah, he's yeah. like, oh. You know? Like, he's like swallowed yeah. uh, like a broken glass. Yeah. Right. But he's awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. I love his work with Jim Jarmusch, too. Yeah, it's amazing. Some, yeah, yeah. Not everybody loves Jim Jarmusch. Huh? I really love Jim Jarmusch. I think he's great, man. Yeah, I think he's awesome. Uh, his early movies are phenomenal. Uh, fucking uh, uh, the Samurai movie. With Ghost Dog. Ghost Dog. Yeah. yeah. Ghost Dog was a shit. That was the fucking first one amazing. that really broke me into him. And then he, uh, I had heard, and I, I, I talked about it on another show, I think he was putting on like festival or concerts and stuff. He's very big oh, into really? music. Yeah, oh. he's very big into music is what I had heard. Oh, I got a I gotta find that. Yeah, the, the, and this I, this might have been a while ago, but he's big into music. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah. He's cool. He's a cool. Fucking he's dude. really cool. Talk about like one of the few New York independent filmmakers right. that is like still crushing. Yeah, still crushing. I didn't see Only Lovers Left Alive. Have, have mm -hmm. you? I haven't seen that one. Yeah, yet. I yeah. gotta. I want to watch that. It's That's a hard time period to be a like an indie. Right, because you kind of get lost in the cues of everything, and you're yeah. lost in all the advertisements of everything. What would you say earlier? There's too many movies. That's right. That's right. It's very true. It's mm. too many movies. Mm. Well, what are you going to do? Tell people not to make their movie, though? I mean, no. Fuck right? it. Not allowed. Not allowed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, then we you start don't that club. Be that gatekeeper. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah, you got to have a lot of. The more movies that are made, the better one. I don't know. What do you think? Does it make the, Does it make movies worse, or does it make them better? Because you're. Well, you want to, yeah, this is a whole rabbit hole. Like, I think that I love that independent filmmakers are making movies. I like it when, when filmmakers are making movies. And I think that there are too many movies, quotes, there's too much content out mm. there because there are these corporations out there that are just, you know, stamping out right. and churning shit. out this shit. And unfortunately, they have the shiniest and the brightest advertisements. And so I think that's going to change after the strikes. You think so? Yeah, I think um, they're going to have to be a little bit more selective. I hope so. Sorry, I'm adjusting my microphone. It's all good. Yeah, I think they're going to have to be a little more selective. The Netflixes and such. I don't think they're going to uh, produce stuff just because it checks a box anymore. Yeah, I, I think it's got to be something that'll actually be well received by a. I don't know, maybe make bigger audience. I don't know if that makes things better. That's the problem, right? Because these guys, everybody seems to be on the hunt for a scratch ticket right now. Everybody mm -hmm. seems to be on the hunt for like, uh, here's a $2 scratch ticket and I won fucking, mm -hmm. you know, $350 million on this ticket. That's mm -hmm. a way of putting it. Yeah. So real. like what you, what you really want is, is what I would love is a streamer that was just banking on the, you know, just make, the, make our money back. You know, like if, because then you can bring back like the, 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 uh, $30 million comedies, you can bring back all this really great stuff that isn't reliant upon every asshole in the country fucking falling in love with it, which means that I can't say anything personal for real, because then what I've been through in my life may piss off what this person's been through. Mm -hmm. And if it pisses off three people, as opposed to the one person it really connects with, then it's a failure.
then it's considered a failure as far as finances are concerned. So I don't know, man. I I, I really want there to be an outlet and and a place that's just like we really, all we care about is making a bit more money than what we started and uh, play to you play to specific audiences i think it's okay to play to specific audiences and not everybody you know that's a rant but i think that's the truth you know yeah i I was saying this to i think i was talking to joe carnahan about it and i was laughing i said to him like uh if there was like the equivalent of what lifetime for women was but there's a network for dudes and all it is is like you know movies for guys i'd fucking go work on that that network until i ran out of shit to do yeah that's awesome and it was just like cool we're doing some sweet action stuff we're doing some fun stuff and yeah yeah i'd I'd do the shit out of that it'd be so much fun um but anyway i think we're wonder if that's even possible these days i don't know there has there but here's the thing dude i think a lot of what we're hearing about what's going on is all press right you know, like you, you're in the coastal, you're in the coastal cities, right? And everybody's concerned about how you're saying it, what you're saying, and whether you're going to be canceled. But the truth of the matter is, Top Gun Maverick fucking crushed, crushed, mm-hmm. crushed, right? And they're we're in it. Well, well I was talking, to, but I, you know, so one of the stars of Volition, the film that I've got here at Pro at FilmQuest, is Amina Nieves, and she is an incredible actress. Incredible. Mm-hmm. She's this one of the co-stars of 1923. Oh no shit! Yes. Uh, did you watch it? Mm-hmm. She's, Great fucking. She's movie. the native girl that kicks the shit out of the nuns. Oh yeah. She's one of our shit kickers in the movie. Oh, she's badass ass in that kickers, show. Yeah, say, yeah, shit kickers. kickers. <laughs> <laughs> ass kickers. She's one of the ass kickers in our movie, and she kicks a major ass. Anyway, she's incredible, and. Brandon is another friend of mine who is also who plays Spencer Dutton on 1923. Both of these guys are incredible actors. And which one's Spencer? Spencer's the guy that's coming back from Africa. He's fucking I want to work with that guy. Right? Isn't he incredible? He's a good buddy of mine. Dude, I want to work with that yeah, guy. Yeah, he's really awesome. He's a real genuine awesome dude. Uh, Texas Chainsaw. I want to work with that guy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, let's do that. Let's do that. Um, he we make it happen. He's um, he's awesome. Amin is awesome. They both should have been nominated for Emmy, Emmys. There were billboards all over town for your consideration. Amina, Brandon, fucking Harrison Ford, all these people in this Tyler Sheridan universe. Tyler Sheridan universe, not a one nomination for anything. They were blacklisted essentially. Now why? I don't know. Why. It wasn't because their performances aren't weren't worthy. I'll tell you that. You look at it's like you have like whoever played like the bathroom porter and White Lotus got a nomination for best supporting. Like everybody in that show got a nomination. They weren't that good that they just had mm. to block out every other show. Had mm-hmm. a, I don't know. It's just weird. It just feels like. It just feels weird. And well, I mean, yeah, okay, so I know where you're getting you at. You know where I'm going? I know where you're going. Okay. And, I, and I was watching because uh, Tyler Sheridan fascinated me because I started mm-hmm. to watch the Yellowstone stuff. And at, at first, because I got Paramount Plus, whatever it's on, yeah. and I, I put it on, it was like, I just need something mindless. So I put this fucking show on and I got lost in it. I was like, holy shit. 
It's gorgeous. It's really beautiful. And then especially the one with Helen Mirren and Harrison Ford. Yeah. Holy fuck. Right. And it's a, it's, a, it's a great show. And then you do the research, and I'm like, who the fuck is this Tyler Sheridan guy? Tyler I knew he was the guy behind Sicario. Sicario. Amazing Helen fucking Highwater. Helen Highwater. Fucking yeah. amazing yeah. movie. And so I'm like, who the ben fuck? Ben Foster's performance in that is one of my favorite so performances. Good. So good. In, in recent and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? So then I start to do the research on this guy. He was an actor. Very unsuccessful mm-hmm. one. Very unsuccessful actor. <laughs> and so then he hit a point where he goes, fuck this. And he yeah. starts writing. Yeah. He starts writing exactly. stuff. And then he, he, he fucking hits. And he becomes mm-hmm. this dude. And now what's interesting is he bought that, he bought that fucking ranch. That massive, oh yeah, it's like the state of California size really? fucking ranch. What the one that's the Yellowstone yeah, ranch? Yeah, like he bought that fucking ranch, and that was his thing. He's like, I'm gonna buy this ranch. Yeah, that's and so one when, way around location fees, dude. Yeah, and so then when you see him doing all these spinoffs and stuff, I saw an interview with him, and he goes, "I'm doing them so I can afford the fucking ranch." Oh wow! So it's this huge fucking property, and he's putting everything into oh, this wow. fucking that's, property. That's, but he's appealing specifically to middle america right. to mm. to the the largest fucking audience yeah. that there is and he's doing it so well that he's keeping paramount alive yeah mm. like he is the guy that that keeps it you know who i had on the show you're gonna love it i had his uh craft service guy on the show interesting it's gonna come out his name is gator uh-huh and they loved him so much gator. so they, this, he's in the show He's in the they show. They gave him an episode. That's right. He's he's the uh, chef. Yeah, he's yeah, in the yeah. show. When they come back from the uh, from the cattle roundup or whatever, he brings out the octopus yeah. on the table. Oh, octopus! Is that what he brings? Yeah. Oh, right. In the, the in the dinner in the house. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. But he's, he's been in there multiple right. times. Yes, exactly. But he talks about how That's cool great. that you guys would get along really well. Oh, he, yeah? he talks about how cool, cool. that fucking uh, show know. is. Dude, you're gonna love him. <laughs> and and he's uh he's he he's done so well on the show that they approached him and they said, do you want to do the official cookbook for Yellowstone? Yeah, that's awesome. And so now he's done that, which is like a New York bestseller. So oh, now he's really? a New York a bestseller idea. fucking guy. It's a sure. great episode, dude. That's great. But I think what you were getting at yeah. as we go off on the tirade yeah. is that because it wasn't, because it was like yeah. middle America it and wasn't it wasn't Hollywood, checking the boxes. It wasn't the Hollywood. Hollywood's just responding to the fact or that Or the someone, coastal city you know, thing that you were talking about. All these people are responding to the fact that they got called out years ago whitewashing and everything else. Mm-hmm. And so everything they're doing is trying to come yeah, but, at that. But, but Amina Dievis is a Native American actress who's really telling a very powerful story about the Native experience in this country. And it's a story that should she deserves, I, I don't know, she, mm-hmm. I thought she deserved uh, some shine. Politics, brother. Exactly. exactly. Politics. Yeah. Well, I hear his sets are not very easy to work on. Uh, well, you know. I do hear that. So I think there might be a little bit of that as well. Maybe there might be some industry, uh, other, other stuff. Well, they call him difficult from yeah. what I understand. They call him difficult, yeah. but I think it's ultimately because he's just like, I'm, I need to have control over it. He writes, he has no writer's room. He was really inspiring to me. I went and s- I, I, there was a stretch where I was going to, as, and I still do try to go to Q and A's as mm-hmm. often as I can. I think mm-hmm. there's a lot to be gained from them mm-hmm. to hear people you know that you admire and respect speak you know and obviously you can listen to them in a podcast but there's something about being in a room as well with them that 
I feel like has an even more sometimes greater impact. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And he had a really big big impact when I when I went and saw his Q and A after a screening of uh, Hell and High Water. In fact, and obviously the movie left a major mark, and I was kind of in a, mm-hmm. already a position where I was like, I don't know who this guy is really. I I don't even think I had seen Sicario at that point. So this was my first exposure to him, and I was like, whoa, this movie was awesome. Mm-hmm. And he talked about how he has transitioned from a unsuccessful actor to a you know, uh, 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 writing right to writing, and I I was inspired by it and went home and it ruminated and it lived with me. And I found the courage to write a script, my first script myself, and it's something I hope to be able to make as well. I've got a pilot, and funny enough, you mentioned that he bought that ranch and that it's all to afford the ranch. I ended up writing a script about that takes place in 19th century Sicily. Mm-hmm where my family came from generations ago. And it's about a village of widowed women. All the men died in a rebellion. And so the women are left Mm. to fend for themselves and they become against all the invading forces, which is all Mm. based in historical fact. And they become this ruthless gang of women, this really badass group of women that are just really violent. Yeah. And... um, you know, there's a parallel that it obviously not to make volition. There's actually similarities to that, but nevertheless, I ended up writing the script, and then I and then I went to Sicily and explored more of this town, or maybe I went to Sicily for maybe I went to Sicily first to explore my roots. Then I wrote the script, and then I ended up buying a house in Sicily. Did you? Yeah. And the I know you were going to go out. Was this recent? Ah, I was going to go out. No, it was right before the pandemic. 2019, I bought the house. But I was going to go out, and I, didn't, I haven't made it back. I mean, I was there. You know, I've spent plenty of time there, but not since we last saw each other. Yeah. Some uh, work opportunities have come up and, and whatnot. And, and, um, but nevertheless, I hope to be able to shoot this, this series there. And, and it hopefully all makes sense. You know, it's funny you talk about like knowing people and that in my network. I go there and the mayor of the Sicilian town is like, ah, Chase, let me take you out to dinner. <laughs> and we don't even, you know, I don't speak Sicilian or even yeah. have much of a grasp on Italian, but we go out to dinner and do our best to have a yeah. chat, me and yeah. the mayor. Yeah. The, and, and it the, goes right back to your little league, the mayor. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. He, he's worried I'm going to take his yeah. job. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, who's this young Turk showing up? He fucking knows too many people. <laughs> yeah. I even there it's really wild i go there i'm like hey giuseppe how you doing (laughs) (laughs) they're like new york italians (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i've got friends a family from uh uh, cortona and uh and down in uh, tuscany and so yes yeah my dad years ago was like uh i i want to really know where we come from and he did the deep dive and yeah wrote a whole book on it amazing oh you wrote a whole book on it yeah oh wow incredible wrote a book on it and then uh uh, we're friends. I'm friends with uh, Francesco. I love that dude. He's uh, the mayor of Cortona as well. And oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, they they keep trying to get. They want me to come out and make something. Fuck I, yeah. We should let's do, do we that. Should, That's do all right. So maybe our adventure will be an Italian one. Yeah, make like a little Italian horror movie somewhere. That Ooh. would be really cool. That'd be a lot. There's a lot of there's a lot of treasure there for 
you know, this is the old world. Yeah, dude. Right? So, dude, have you been to Cortona? No. So, the, the Cortona is like one of the cities that Peter Jackson was used as an inspiration as like the walled in city. Oh. And so, it's, well, that's it's, a lot of the cities. A yeah. lot of the cities are like that. And so, it's built up. So, yep. when you go, you go through these gates. Yep. And uh, at the very top of the mountain is a church. Yep. And in that church, in a glass coffin, is this mummified exactly. old lady. Perfect. That's been there for. I don't know, a couple hundred years. Yep. Oh, shit. And they fucking go up there and they pray. And all the old Italians with their, old Italian ladies with their black outfits and they have crooked legs and they walk up the fucking hill. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, bought a, a, the, the, I bought property in a town called Sambuca di Sicilia. And it's, uh, it was established by Arabs in, the seven, in like the year 700. So the oldest parts of the town go back to 700. I might at least... I might have a wall, at least in my house, that goes back that far. Wow. The top of the town is the old Arab quarter, and those street signs are still in Arabic. And there's a street called Phantasma, and it's like an alleyway, and it's Ghost Alley. It's it's, it's said to be really haunted. Yeah. So cool. Interesting. Phantasma. I love that. Yeah. I feel like there's a movie named that, but it's such a great... There's a movie named everything. Yeah. Hey, there's a, right? We're running out yeah. of titles. Yeah. I'd have Phantasma on a t-shirt. That'd be a fucking rad t-shirt. Yeah. Or a hat. Or a hat. Yeah. <laughs> That's been a hit. <laughs> so, well, Chase. Yo. This has been great, man. We got to wrap this up. This I'm, I'm a, fucking Well, killer. I'm looking forward to our adventures. Thanks for it. having me. This was really an honor to be yeah. jo- to join you guys. Lance, you too, man. Thank you, bro. Thanks. Yeah, man. And like your adventures, I feel like you, I'll have to have you back on the show and we'll have to talk about some of your journeys. All right. Because they, they're crazy. I know there's a lot of stuff that you don't want to talk on the mic about either, but we'll, I'm, I'm, we'll, ta- we'll talk only over. Only because I'm worried my mom might listen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk over beers about some of these adventures. Okay, sounds good. Uh, thanks, thanks for being here, man. And good luck. Did, did you guys screen already? Yeah, we did. Yeah, I mean, the screenings are about wrapped, right? It's the final day. Yeah. We screamed a few days ago. It's been really well received. I'm sorry we couldn't make it because okay. we were doing all this. No, but you'll watch it when you get a chance. Yeah, how did it go? Was it, it went really well. Yeah. Yeah, it went really well. People Great, people, people, really dug it. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it, it landed because if they didn't like it, that means we would have failed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so you got to jump off a cliff. Yeah. yeah that's so the next thankfully move. Hopefully, I think we consider it a success and hopefully it's the beginning. You know, this is our first festival with it. So hopefully there's a lot of momentum that builds from it and we, we get to ride this wave for a lot longer. Yeah, man. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, congratulations. Thanks. I'm happy for you. And uh, before I go, Lance, man, like uh, this has been great. Yeah, dude. You like I, I've only had to half carry these episodes. You've been the the guy here the whole time. Yeah, Has it thanks, been fun? Man. It's been a blast. Yeah, like I, I was nervous as fuck about it initially. Like our first episode, I was like, oh, I don't know what to say. It's kind of Mike's thing. I'll just sit there, be quiet, and you know, when there's a moment, I'll be like, Yeah, yeah. But that's, that's what I'll do. That's and why just, I asked you. I know you're fine. Yeah, you guys yeah, are killing it. It got Seriously. great. It got great really quick, man. And it's been a blast. And like the memories, getting to meet people, talk, hang out. What's the highlight of the festival for you? Um, oh, man, meeting there's so the there's I got to give it two things. So meeting Doug Jones um, personally was very cool, um, very inspiring. But then I'd have to piggyback that and say that some of the natural conversations with filmmakers, especially people that are from LA or like live in LA currently. Like last night, we were just out there at the fire. You came out. We sat down. We shot the shit. We talked about horses in New York and yeah. vodka. Just and yeah. it was easy. 
yeah. you know and and there's been kind of a lot of conversations like that and i think that um you don't often get that as much in uh in la i think i don't think that's because of this the business and industry i think because i'm in the acting lane and so it's it's a it operates a little differently but it's also been a it's a package that's wrapped differently so yeah. people come into this thing and they're not expecting yeah. that and it's yeah yeah i think it's it's about how you set the stuff mm -hmm. up you know absolutely yeah not to interrupt you but I agree. no 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 yeah it's a that's definitely been a huge thing is just seeing like how easy these connections happen how genuine they feel uh, yeah. and how meaningful where it's like you know like okay these are the people that i'm going to hang out with when i go back absolutely well it's crazy and i'll be honest about this entire thing i'll be honest about it all so what's crazy is is that i was able on this trip because of my friends and because of you know puget systems and all these different folks i was able to live out my fantasy my my actual film festival fantasy and it's you know because of all of you that are listening to the show that this has been able to happen because we have a very successful podcast which ultimately became the catalyst for creating this mm -hmm. festival journey because you know i'm like everybody else in this in this festival i, I have a short film mm -hmm. and if it was any other thing i would have just been in the marriott with everybody else and hanging out and and, and sort of yeah. going from spot to spot and trying to find a thing and i i was determined this time because the 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 shit was aligning the right way to actually make an inclusive fun like festival experience for people and for myself because ultimately this is what i've always wanted mm -hmm. man and i suffer from this thing where i'm the oldest brother i'm the oldest cousin i'm all of that you too, you too right yeah. and i feel like i've never really had a mentor i feel like yeah. i've never really had yeah. right you feel that way yeah. And, and so what I try to do is I put these things out in the world that I always wish happened. Like, I always wish that I had someone that was yeah. like, oh, fuck, come stay at my house in this place mm -hmm. or come fucking do this thing, man. Mm -hmm. And and that that was the goal for this. And it it made me so fucking happy. Like, last night when yeah. we had all these people Clubhouse here. Vibes. Yeah, it was just absolutely. So really cool. Yeah, yeah man. Really cool. This is a really cool thing you did. Thanks, man. Yeah, cool. I hope you do. I hope you do more of them at film festivals all across the country. We might, man. Yeah, we yeah. might. We might because you meet some fucking rad people, and then you know when we're on our fucking deathbeds, it's like you, you sit back and you think yeah. about the moments, and you go, "Remember when you were sitting around that fucking fire outside?" Yep. And those fucking right before I go, those sausages were so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be because of the sausage too. Oh, oh, this guy's cholesterol is insane. <laughs> but it was the sausage. It's the good stuff. <laughs> um, but uh, dude, it's just been a pleasure. Dude, you and I, if we weren't brothers before, we're even closer brothers yes, now. And uh, I respect you and I appreciate you. And, uh, you know, thank you for, for uh, helping me make this into something that is memorable. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Next time, uh, it'll just be a different festival. Yeah. You never mm -hmm. know. We're already getting asked. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll see. We'll Good see. luck with your screening tonight, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm not even fucking nervous. I'm ready. Yeah, you're yeah. not nervous yet once you sit down. No, I'm not going to be, man. No, we, screened, we screened it uh, for filmmakers down in the basement the other night. Oh, yeah. And I think that was the moment where I was like, once I saw the yeah. reactions, I'm like, we're good. Yeah. The only oh, thing no, I'm worried about is like good. technical issues now. Like uh, hoping, just hoping that everything runs smooth. I'll tell you like, this: if there, is, stuff, if there is a technical issue, I will stand up and go, Jonathan, <laughs> run it again. Yeah, yeah. Start yeah. it all over. Right. Uh, yeah. Now, because you do a dance with that cameraman, you know what you're doing. It's really incredible. What you set out and what you accomplished with that film is really something. It hit Thank me you, across man. the head with like a hammer. 
Thanks, man. It was yeah. cool. Thanks, man. Well, that's yeah. the goal, man. Yeah. As we sort of go into doing feature masterful, films, masterful. I like my mm. goal, and I'm not going to talk about the film on air, but we talked about what the film that we were talking mm -hmm. about, and my goal is to make a feature film that you show up late to that screening and you open the door like five minutes in and it's just wow and everybody's having a great fucking time let's do it i'm into that dude yeah i'm into that mm -hmm. all right gang thanks for listening thanks for listening guys and uh, as always make sure that you're if you're a newcomer to the show subscribe to the show on whatever channel you're doing and do me this favor right if you've enjoyed this adventure if you've enjoyed where we've gone tell some friends about it uh, tell them to go back and listen to this. If someone is going to attempt to get into a film festival, hopefully you can use this adventure as sort of a, uh, uh, you know, like a like a lesson book on uh, priorities when it is you're looking for your shit. So I'm going to end the show with a song from the man who did the score work on Come Home, and it is the song that uh, is the needle drop in our piece so uh big black delta jonathan bates did this track i'm a, he's my, a good friend of mine I'm, I'm i feel blessed to know him and uh enjoy this this is uh in honor of come home today uh thanks everybody for listening and uh next time you hear from me i'll be back in los angeles all right see ya
Love you, Jonathan.